Disclaimer. The views and opinions you hear expressed by the participants in the show are not the views of AnimeNewsNetwork.com. Enjoy the show. Everybody, I'm Zach Birchie. Welcome to Ancast. Joining me this week for our usual post E3 game show, it's uh, ANN, a game critic and author of the X Button, Todd Sialik. Todd, thanks for coming back. Hey, no problem. And joining us again, it's been a while. Back Join- so soon. <laughs> joining us again. <laughs> Can't get rid of me yet. Yeah, uh, it's it's from Fast Credit for the gentleman, and you can read his game reviews on ANN. Dave Riley, Dave, thanks for uh, for for coming back on the show. Serve at the pleasure of the ANN court. <laughs> right. Um, so it's E3 time, and uh, this year there's no new console announcements or anything. Um, so it's all software. And, uh, you know, for better or worse, it's a less exciting E3, I think, overall. But there's at least more games to talk about as opposed to just hardware. Um, since the last time we talked, last time we had you guys on, usually, usually we have you on right around E3. And then we have Jan in the fall when, you know, sort of after all the major releases have come out, although this year everything's been pushed once again to the next year. So uh, <laughs> the fall show might happen a little sooner. I don't know. but Not just as long as it's after Bayonetta. Yeah, right. And exactly. The Evil Within is the same time. Eh, yeah. well, I think that's what I'm holding out hope for at really? the end of okay. the year. Well, well you know, the year really isn't over until we get the Toad game, really. That's going to be the um, yeah for me. Uh, right. Well, well, we'll get to all that stuff. Um, but first, uh, I sort of wanted to know, like, what you've been playing lately. Like, what's been on your radar? What's been taking up your time? And uh, why don't we start with Todd on that? Okay. Well, I went and played a little bit of Gundam Side Stories. That's the new import-only game for the PlayStation 3. And uh, I think Dave Cabrera is actually going to review it for us. So I, I don't want to say too much. And I didn't. I just tried it out a little bit. And I like the idea behind it because it's a Gundam game that remakes all of these older Gundam games that were not about the major Gundam characters, like, you know, Amuro and Char and other Char and Gundam Wing Char and stuff like that. Not in any of these. It's all the uh, main Universal Century Gundam side stories about these, you know, the grunts who just aren't really remembered that much in the franchise. So I like the idea behind that because I, well, I like the idea of Gundam a lot and that's one of the things I really like about it is the grittiness of it and the fact that a lot of people just get killed off and like in a real war, you know. And so it's, I was kind of looking forward to side stories. It is, though, a, not a very high-budget game. It's, <laughs> you, you can tell you're in for a, um, a rough ride when it's an anime-based game, but the portraits of the characters, their mouths don't even move. So, Well, yeah, I mean, you, really, you, you got to imagine they're like, well, we're going to make a new Gundam game. It's like, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, no, uh, but no major characters in it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so here's three dollars. <laughs> they didn't really give them. Bu- uh, you can tell they really didn't get too much of a budget. So it's like you know, just like in the series, the the grunts get screwed again. So um, I didn't play the whole thing though. So maybe it opens up later. It's got like a lot of different stories in it though. There's one new one that they made, and then they went back and remade a bunch of other things, including um, the Dreamcast Gundam game, which 
you may remember, um, Zionic Front, yeah, and the, and those two actually came out here. Right. Yeah, I remember so that. that came out. One of those came out fairly early too, right? Because I feel like it came out at a time when there weren't a lot of Dreamcast games to play besides Soul Calibur. Maybe because it, uh, it, I feel yeah. like everybody I knew played that game, and I just maybe I just wrongly associated it with there being nothing else because it came out near launch. Yeah, I, I, that's that's what it seems like to me because I remember that too, like. Weird, like people who owned Dreamcast but didn't care about anime were like, "Hey, what's this Gundam thing?" I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't like. You're not gonna like that. Yeah, I, well, and so I looked up Side Story 079, uh, which is April 28th, 2000. So launch window, they call it now. Launch window, mm-hmm. yeah, right. yeah, roughly about it. Although the Dreamcast launch actually had a lot of games compared to the, the well, compared to every other launch ever. So. Yeah, yeah, but since you, what, what you remember is Soul Calibur and maybe Choo Choo Rocket. Yeah, oh. it's Sonic Adventure. Oh, uh, yeah, alright. <laughs> I mean, Choo Choo Rocket yeah. was more my seat. Yeah, so. <laughs> so I would wait a little bit if you if you were interested in it and think you're buying it. I'd wait until Dave takes it apart or something like that. Well, what kind of game is it? Are you talking like... Tra- it's an action game. It's a really um, third-person game where it has a neat mechanic where you can switch between three squad mates at any time. And it really just feels uh, a little bit bare bones, though. You fly around, you boost a bit. The space stage that I played, it really was confusing a little bit. Aiming was difficult. You just had to tap the target, and it had difficulty getting you around, right? So in a way, I guess it did kind of capture the confusion of piloting a giant robot in the middle of this huge, deadly firefight. But, you know, it maybe it's something you have to get used to. So who knows? Right. It's okay. at least a little better than that PlayStation 3 Gundam game that came out. Do you remember Crossfire, I think it was called? Yeah. That was there a launch not, game. Too. Like, Gundam doesn't have, like, a history of great video games. <laughs> no, although I do wish they'd bring out the um, the Gundam Versus games. They're kind of like little virtual on, one-on-one arena fighters, and they're not too bad. The ones I enjoyed the most have always been, like, the arcade fighters. Like, the yeah. 2D ones. Like, yeah. Uh, the Gundam Wing game for the Super Nintendo was a lot of fun, I remember. <laughs> If, if um, not, yeah, so I played a little bit of that, and um, when after uh, Dragon Guard three came out, I went back and played Dragon Guard two, which I kind of hadn't really paid too much attention to because it had a bad reputation. The people who like Dragon Guard one don't really care for the second one because the director of the original Dragon Guard, uh, uh, it's Taro Yoko, he didn't have that much to do with the second one, so it's not nearly as insane. I, I think his original idea for the Dragon Guard two was that the dragons would be in space. So they kind of wrote the, they got rid of that idea, and they made just a generally generic kind of um, teenage hero's journey kind of game where it's just uh, not really as nuts as the original Dragon Guard. And in a way, it's kind of refreshing because while the characters are kind of dopey in that you know anime cliche way, they're also not as repulsive as the original game. So it's almost like what a normal person would be. Compared to the you know psycho ward of the original Dragon Guard, hmm. and most important thing though is actually the gameplay is improved a bit. It does really what the first game set out to do, which is give you a Dynasty Warriors game where you can hop on a dragon and fly stuff at any time. And so it's not great, I would say, but it does it's adequate. It does a lot better of getting that the the you know the visceral time killing stress relief of t- Dynasty Warriors without making it. Um, maddeningly or repetitive. Right. And the like, dragon flying bits are too deep, yeah. Like the original Drakengard? 
Yeah, that's. Which uh, I, I mean, I tried to play like long after, yeah. like the PS3 was released. So, uh, long out of context, and just like yeah, I only could get the ten or fifteen levels into it before I gave up. Yeah, that's one of the few games where the pe- even the people who like it will tell you not to play it. They'll tell yeah. you just to watch a less play or something. <laughs> but yeah, if you wanted to play a, a good version of it, because. Um, I would try Dragon Guard too if you can get a hold of it cheap. And in some ways, it's a little, um, almost a little better made than Dragon Guard three in some because you can get on the dragon anytime, and we, at least anytime you're in an open field. And they didn't really try to sandwich in the scenes where you jump on the dragon and fry stuff, and the game completely grinds to a halt. So Dragon Guard three doesn't have nearly as many of those problems. <laughs> uh, let's see. And um, well, lastly, I was playing um, the Last Blade games. Those are uh, Dreamcast fighting games. Oh, and, of course, yeah. <laughs> and but, this, like there isn't a new one, right? You were yes, just playing no, no. The, just, they're not are... even bringing them out for like. Well, they did bring them out for the um, the virtual console on the Wii. That's the, the most recent attention anyone ever paid to them. Um, and they're really fun fighting games for what they are. It's basically kind of like Samurai Showdown. You have it's a weapons based fighting game. It's set during the Bakumatsu, middle of the 19th century. So and it's got a slightly more realistic tone to it, and it's a lot more. And I almost want to say dignified, if you can say that about any fighting game, because you don't really have any of the typical stuff you'd see: half-naked ninja girls or gigantic glowy. Well, you do have a little bit of the glowing Dragon Ball Z power-up stuff, but it's a, has a lot more of a laid-back tone to it. So, if you want to play a fighting game that has a more I guess you say reserved quality to it. You don't really see too many like that, but Last Blade 2 fits, and Last Blade 1, they fit the bill. Uh, well, I've never heard those referred to as Dreamcast fighting games. Like, I played those on an oh, like an easy Dreamcast? Cabinet. Oh, Neo Geo, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, like, wait, did those come out? I'm sure they did come out La- for the Dreamcast. Last Blade 2 actually came out for the Dreamcast. It was kind of a crappy port, though, because they took out... Well, yeah, I mean, that's where I played it. Okay, because I played those on an old Neo Geo cabinet, and I, I enjoyed them. They're, like, they're really fun games, and... They're yeah. not as frustrating as your average like arcade fighter, where th- you know you get to the third guy and it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember having a pretty easy time like learning the characters and thinking like this is a pretty this is a pretty good game for like someone who's not not great at fighting games. Uh, I don't know. Uh, there, there was just something about it that it was I, I found the controls uh, attractive. I guess because yeah, like, really, it was really kind of a casualty of SNK shutting down like around two thousand. They came right back a couple, like a couple of years later, but they never made another Last Blade game, and it really has some of the most well-done sprite art you really see around. There's a burning building level that just looks gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. And, well, not, not enough. But it does have a connection to, e, to the recent E3, though, because the storyline for the Last Blade games was written by um, Sorori65, the guy who made uh, D4 and Deadly Premonition. Right, right. It is pretty mundane, though, so I wouldn't go playing these games if you want some bad shit in sense. Yeah. Huh, so, I didn't know that, though. I yeah. kind of just imagined that he sprung fully formed from the ground, <laughs> like Zeus's tears, and then brought Deadly Premonition with him. I think the only really link you could draw is um, something... Well, a blonde woman dies off in both Deadly Premonition and D4 and The Last Blade too. so, you know, maybe it's his motif. I guess I just attached that with the Dreamcast, obviously because there was that port, but that there were just so many 
especially SNK mm. fighting games on the Dreamcast that you could get a new one practically every week. <laughs> yeah. Like there had to be half a dozen King of Fighters. I, I feel like everything from like 96 to two, really? well, 2000 they had maybe or 99. Yeah. And if you imported, you could get like the others and stuff like that. So there yeah. were just 2D fighting games on that. It was practically a renaissance for it. Well, because it was the first time you could really get an arcade perfect fighting game. Yeah, I guess so. So did Sega announce a, a new console? Launch <laughs> game, Blue Stinger 2? <laughs> I'd be there day one. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you mentioned that those you know those last played games looked really good. I, I, I agree. I, I always thought the sprite art in those was like basically second to none. Everybody always picks out like Mark of the Wolves or Garou, whatever that game yeah, is. Yeah, they, yeah. Everybody always picks that out. I was like, oh, this is the pinnacle of SNK sprite work. And I'm like, ah, Last Blade, I think, Last Blade 2 especially, like, I think it looks better. Maybe it's mm-hmm. just the color palette. Maybe it's just the design. I like the design better. But I always thought it looked better than Mark of the Wolves. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was always, what really saddened me about them sort of disappearing and then reappearing as like a subsidiary was that it, it seemed like they went out at the top of their game. Yeah, because... I mean, especially made, for looks. Yeah, because I think in that same year they made um, Metal Slug 3, they made Mark of the Wolves, and, and Last Blade 2, like, and, and a King of the Fighters 2000, which I always liked a lot. So, yeah. I get so lost with those games. I think 2000 was the pe- one people generally liked, and 99 was the one. Yeah, 99 like was... Unfinished, oh. actually. You remember Vanessa and Seth and whatever? How yeah. They were, they were only strikers in the game because they didn't have time to yeah, yeah. the characters. But yeah, I still think 2000, that, that was when SNK climbed to the top of the 2D arts and jumped off, basically. Yeah. Todd, are you messing around with uh, Ultra Street Fighter at all? Yeah, I was playing around with it a little bit. I didn't have too much time uh, to play with it, but they've done a pretty decent job on it, at least making it feel like an actual part of the game and not just an add-on. And, of course, everyone's dissecting the gameplay and finding things like that. So, and, you know, the, for, to their credit, the um, DeCami, DeCapre, whatever, she does play differently than Cami did, so it seems that way. I will say, though, they kind of, well, this has always been a problem with the Street Fighter games. It doesn't have anything to do with the actual gameplay, but you know how they show those little animated introductions before when you play the one-player mode? Cool. That, I'm. I'm but, I don't know whether or not I think I, I, like Street Fighter Four has to like the group of people that I will occasionally play games with. They have to suddenly want to play that again, and oh, okay, I, so. I think like once that happens, then I'll pick that up and everyone will try out the new stuff. But uh, yeah, it, that's one of those where you know I, I really like Street Fighter Four. I think it's probably like you know you, you kind of you're kind of either a Street Fighter guy or you're a or you're a Mortal Kombat guy or. You know, you kind of pick your fighting game once you get a little older, I think. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely in the Street Fighter camp. Um, <clears throat> and uh, that, uh, you know, for... I'm, I like the fact that they're still putting stuff out for it, and they're still supporting it, and they're still making DLC and shit. And it, it's a really solid game, but I don't play it without, like, a, a at least, like, four or five people who just want to sit in Round Robin... And just, oh, okay. you know, and go through it. Like, so you don't really go online to play it or anything like that. Uh, well, I play online with these guys, but not oh, like okay. pubbies or like you know weirdo. Like the only people playing it online at this point are the people who are really good at it, and I just want to play with people who are crappy at it, like me. So yeah, <laughs> you know. all my friends are better than my level. Yeah, <laughs> I was always the person who was like, okay, I can read this combo chain. 
and <laughs> implementing it is completely impossible. But I know all the moves to do it. I just can't. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I'd like, say Ultra's uh, definitely worth uh, the fifteen dollars they're charging for it. So yeah, and you know there will be a, a six months from now it'll be in a Steam sale for eight dollars. So <laughs> oh, <that's true. laughs> yeah. with all the modified costumes and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. The clown outfits and the Nazi uniforms or whatever. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Fans ruin everything, you know? Yeah, they sure do. Um, uh, so uh, is that is that it, Todd? That's, basically That's right. about it for what I've been doing lately. I did try a little bit of Danganronpa, finally. Oh, yeah. Ready to get into that, but I didn't play too much of it. It kind of has the... Um, I'm kind of still trying to figure out the tone of it, too, because it's got that sense of a parody because every character is an obvious play on a high school stereotype and they're all called to this deadly school and tortured by a little bear yeah you know um hope was just playing through that uh, nine persons nine hours nine doors thing so it's very much the same sort of thing yeah at least as far as i can see in the game so far there's one thing though that's kind of kept me playing it and that's because i already know what happens back when danganronpa was you know the talk of tumblr and whatever i you know, found a thread where somebody played through it on a forum, and I basically spoiled myself completely. So hmm. I'm not sure if that's jaundicing me towards you know being over it, but I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I, I played it a couple months back and ended up really liking it. I really like that style of game, the Phoenix Wrights, and also uh, yeah. kind of puzzle games. It's a little bit of both. Um, I'm not super into 999 and, and Virtue's Last Reward. I feel like I kind of just tolerate their story and like really long-winded writing just yeah. to get at the puzzles, <laughs> which aren't always that good. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, Danganronpa, for me, what was really nice about it is that it does start with all these super stereotypical ca- characters. Mm-hmm. And they're all so stereotypical that, like you said, the reason for being in this high school is that this high school only accepts the ultimate students and they are each one of them. And it's like ultimate swimmer, ultimate baseball player, ultimate, uh, like fan fiction writer is like the craziest one. Mm -hmm. Uh, ultimate, one of them is ultimate wealthy scion. So it's just like douchey rich kid is his Mm -hmm. ultimate power. Just like real life question mark, you know, (laughs) yeah. Which like, come on, (laughs) you know, who you know what her ultimate power is like Uh, 20 minutes into that game. mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, but, uh, I, what I really liked it is that it starts from that. And then it really quickly subverts those, um, those expectations, uh, to the point where, like, I mean, I, I don't know how to phrase this in a way that won't spoil it. I'll avoid it. But, like, you know, they've got a childhood friend who is not only your childhood friend that you shared, like, a mystical moment with in middle school, but she's also the most famous idol singer of all time. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you and me, we got to get through this together. And, like, how that relationship yeah. twists, like, almost immediately. It's really yeah. the first twist in the game. And it's, like, within the first hour that really, uh, you know, jolts you for a second. You're like, oh, wait, this game is not quite what I thought it was about. Yeah, it goes places I didn't, I didn't expect. I'll say that much for it. Yeah, I feel like it's just like it's something that's actually pretty strong about what it's doing with these characters. And it seems to understand the way that people use these roles and like the positive uses of these roles, not just like the things we like to make fun of mm-hmm. for anime being stuck in a rut. Uh, and, and it's also unlike 999, the pace is 
is is a little clippier. <laughs> like I always felt like a nine nine nine. The thing that drove me crazy is there are situations where you're trapped in a freezer, literally freezing to death, <laughs> and the door's locked from the outside, and you're like, I really hope somebody wanders by, and somebody will like sort of nuzzle up to you and be like, Hey, protagonist, have you heard about this cool science thing I know about? <laughs> Like, in that case, they're like, have you heard about Ice-9? And it's just, like, the <laughs> most anime thing. It's got that, that like, triple threat that also Danganronpa has where it's like, hey, what's up? Want to hear about Game Theory, Schrodinger's mm-hmm. Cat, or, uh, yeah, Prisoner's Dilemma, which, like, the last time I said that on Twitter, somebody was like, actually, the Prisoner's Dilemma is part of Game Theory. Uh, and I'm like, actually, the Prisoner's Dilemma is from, like, 200 years ago. <laughs> yes, and they didn't have talking stuffed bears back then either. So. Yeah, I, I, you know, it does some anime stuff, but I, I really liked it. I really liked, even though the, the logic puzzles were kind of easy, I liked that it made you take some effort. Now, did you pick the easy or did you pick the hard mode th- logic? Puzzles? I always just go like sort of medium with that stuff unless <laughs> I've been advised. That is the first time I've seen a game, you know, use logic as the difficulty setting there. Well, so. sure. The, no, there's, so I, I just wrote like a really long uh, blog about this because I just played Murder Soul Suspect, which I reviewed for ANN and, and, and kind of came away disappointed. Um, but the Silent Hill games had their own like riddle difficulties. And it really spanned a gamut of. Like on Easy Silent Hill, the example I use is you've got like a bureau, you got to put three coins in. And on Easy Difficulty, it's like, all right, put the snake on the left side, the girl on the right, and the dude in the middle, and leave a space over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on Hard, it's like, here is like 16 stanzas of this weird poem. And it's not like the poem is good. And you have to arrange you, it by iambic pentameter or something. Oh, like. well, there's, <laughs> there's that, like, the infamous puzzles in Silent Hill 3 with, like, yes. the Shakespeare books, mm-hmm. which is so dickish. And I didn't even know how to solve it until, like, a couple years ago. I had no idea what I was doing wrong. It turns out, like, the last verse, uh, you, spend, you spend, like, five or six verses solving what each uh, play represents. You're like, okay, Othello is three, Macbeth is five. And then there's a final verse that acts as like a multiplication table where it's like, oh, okay, because it says Macbeth had three witches, like you're supposed to times that number by three. Yeah. And there's just like no way you could ever figure that out. Oh, but otherwise, like Silent Hills is much stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I would even consider probably going back to Danganronpa on hard to see what it was like. But I really like that they, you know, it's super weird. Like you... They put you in this, like, centrifuge where you're spinning around looking at all the people as they talk during this, like, <laughs> lively debate about who the murderer is. And their sentences are represented by subtitles and the weak spots in their argument are highlighted and you have to shoot them with the truth bullet, uh, <laughs> which has, like, you were in the trash room written on the bullet. It's all super abstract. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later they put like junk phrases in that you have to like sort of sweep away before you can accurately hit the shot. And they put you on the time limit, which isn't actually that yeah. intense, but gives you a sort of pressure. Uh, it's a really cool system, and yeah, it, it makes you feel like they actually put some thought into it. It's definitely <laughs> an interesting twist on the visual novel thing and the whole keyword idea and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this, and the second one's coming out, I think, surprisingly soon, I think. I guess the first must have done pretty well for NIS in America. Yeah, I think it's in like the early fall, right? Yeah. Or so that's a special edition and everything. 
I'm actually surprised that I'm looking forward to it because <laughs> I had like people just, you know, nudging me from time to time being like, hey, you might be into this Danganronpa game. And I would like Google and be like, maybe, but I don't know. <laughs> this looks a little, a little iffy, but it's actually pretty good. And it doesn't fall into a lot of that super douchey stuff. That yeah, it doesn't expect. really, it doesn't really repulse you and make you want to. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking more like I'm, I'm so inured to a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I've been playing Dragon's Crown, so if that's not going to repulse me, oh well, nothing yeah. will. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just this like, oh man, I'm so magical. Like I'm the best protagonist ever, and like here's oh, I'm surrounded by like 16 characters that represent each represent one cool thing the writer mm-hmm. heard about in college, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's very like, little of that in that game. That, that sounds like uh, it's like you may as well call it like I fucking love science. Yeah, yeah. I mean, game. it feels like, it just feels so referential, yeah. and mm-hmm. there's nothing behind the references. That's really what gets me about like nine nine nine. It's like each character is there to tell you about their thing, like <laughs> like Ice Nine or Schrodinger's cat or whatever, and. Those stories never really hung together for me. I uh, uh, well, I know, I know. Hope really liked it, and and but she just enjoyed it from a, a storytelling standpoint of, of the story interlocking back in on itself. Not necessarily all the math shit, but uh, I know she's really looking forward to the sequel, which I recently discovered. I believe is out of print now and is in that weird gulf where GameStop wants full price for a used copy. They're disappearing. Oh yeah. So if they're oh, dis- just- yeah, it's starting to disappear. The original, so- right? Uh, for for Virtue's Last Reward. Oh, Virtue's Last Reward, okay. Yeah, that's already, mm-hmm. like, hard to get. So, I, I will not hard to get, but the copies that are out there are starting to dry up. So, if oh. you're interested in playing it, uh, snap it up now. Uh, Can you maybe buy it online? I mean, that yeah, came out Yeah, I looked for, like, online and everything, and, and, but it was all, like, like I, I believe, when I checked, and this probably isn't the case anymore, but Amazon had, like, chips in two to four weeks. Mm. I, well, I was thinking, like, maybe PSN, but those things don't necessarily get discounted ever. Uh, I should have checked. It occurred to me to check the eShop. Yeah. Because uh, we were playing it. She was playing it on 3DS. Mm. It occurred to me to check the eShop after I had gone to a GameStop and had them order one and send it to me. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's I like, mean, oh, I could have just bought a points card. And, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Virtue Slice Reward is a little cooler because instead of making you play through the game just straight, like four or five times, I don't remember how many times you had to do it for 999. Uh, you, you you can sort of jump around between the different decision paths, and that's actually contextualized in the game. That's like an actual mechanic in the game world, which is pretty neat and also a nice time saver, which erased a lot of... That was my, like, hugest problem with 999, like saving the same, solving the same puzzles over and over again, because you have to go to each room, like, a couple times across your varied playthroughs. Oh, yeah, that was a drag. Uh, okay, that's about it for me uh, as far as the recent stuff I've been playing. So, um, Zach, Dave? Uh, yeah, Dave, Dave, why don't you uh, take it away here? Well, I guess I can segue into Murdered since we're kind of already talking about it. But I just don't have a lot of strong feelings about it other than, like, this felt like it should have been better. That's and how your review did. came across, was like, mm. eh, shrug. And uh, just We're comparing that to Beyond, sort of? Didn't no, like- I mean, maybe. Uh, so the thing that I liked about it, and it's probably actually easier to compare it to stuff like Heavy Rain and Beyond oh, and yeah. like Phoenix Wright or Ghost Trick, even though Ghost Trick is also pretty straightforward. Uh, it kind of feels like you're in the scenes from Heavy Rain, but you have to walk to each one manually, <laughs> which actually, from my perspective, improves a little because I felt like in Heavy Rain, you never 
you just like constantly have no sense of place. You're like, oh, they're like, here's this completely context-free scene I'm dropped into now. Uh, so actually puttering around the game world, small as it may be, uh, improved that aspect for me. But once you get there, it's just like you're purportedly a detective. You're actually sort of like sweeping up a bunch of ghost clues with your dustpan. And then like you're like, oh, uh, so you're a ghost detective. And you're like, my first case is to solve who murdered me, who also is like this infamous serial killer. So you have to go around and pick up clues like, that's my gun on the ground, or that's glass. And they'll, it'll be like, you got 8 out of 14 clues on this crime scene. And most of those clues are just garbage. Uh, and eventually it'll say, like, what can I, you'll possess a girl who's talking to a cop, and you'll be like, what can I make her think about that's going to make her think about the killer? And then it splashes all the clues up on the screen, and then the answer is, the clue that says the killer and it's like that for the entire game like it just there's like never any thought to it it's like you see two girls holding hands you need to click on two girls you see like a the killer opening a closet you need to click on searching like it's just it feels like they made a system and then somebody was like well you guys this is too smart like three people on the planet might not get this and we're we're hounding that call of duty money so you better make this as stupid as possible but that just kind of feels like it just leaves the people who would actually play this out in the cold. Wow. Um, like aside from the walking around and you know asking people questions, is there really a lot of action or conflict to the game? Uh, there's like a little stealth thing that wasn't bothersome, but also wasn't fun. Where you have so to you like, don't actually fight any ghosts or something. You have like to like hide from these demons and then oh, okay. get up behind them and do a quick time event to kill them. It's like the least exciting stealth okay. ever. So it's I guess it's stealth. sometimes you like gotta click on a ghost a ghost crow and make them cacaw to distract the demons. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why these ghost crows are hanging around. See, that did sound kind of like Ghost Trick a little bit. but it, you're, you're Yeah, saying. I mean, only in concept. And it's, it's directed by a Japanese dude, but made by an American studio. Uh, so, you're, yeah, you're kind of sitting there like, okay, maybe this will be like Ghost Trick by way of L.A. Noir. But no. And like, even though, like I said, like Ghost Trick is a super straightforward game. I feel like that game gets by more on its super awesome animation and it's just like incredibly charming writing right more than like there's not a lot of thought that goes into that game like it's fun to do like the rube goldberg devices but that is really a case of like i click on the pipe to make the ball roll down the pipe and there's not like a choice of like do i have to flip the pipe or drop the pipe um so straightforwardness isn't really a problem it's just kind of like there wasn't really anything that made me want to play through their eight hour story like it's an okay mystery it's probably like uh, presented by netflix level writing uh, <laughs> on like a tv show i mean it was fine it only took me two days to play it but like what by the time i came away and it ends like super suddenly like you barely even know you're going into the final confrontation and the final confrontation is like five seconds long like you push two buttons and i feel like you have to click on this clue that they seeded like five hours ago. And I bet that they thought that was like really mysterious. But it's kind of like, oh, this girl has psychic powers. What else could the solution be but to use the psychic powers? Uh, yeah, so it was just like, because there are so few of these games, I was like, well, this was all right. But it's just, I feel like you're just so starved for anything that requires any sort of puzzling uh, as opposed to the glut of games where you like shoot or stab sharks, so 
I was like maybe, I mean, not really give it the benefit of the doubt. It was fine. It was like completely middle of the road game that was okay. And I just really wanted it to be something better than that. And it just never. Well, that's just, that's weird though, because like, I didn't even know that was coming out until I saw uh, like a, it was like a quick look on Giant Bomb for it. And I was like, what the hell is this? And it, you know, and then I read your review, and I'm like, well, who is this for? Because like, if, if they made it baby's first point-and-click adventure game, like if that's how dumb the puzzles are, why'd you bother? Like the people who will play this are gonna want real puzzles. They're coming to it for that, or at least decent like detective-y. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I mean, that's, yeah, that's what word, really but... frustrated me. It, it yeah. just felt like they were dumbing it down for an audience that was never going to buy the game. Yeah, anyway. so that's yeah, it's just wasted potential. It's like, well, you could have had a thing here, but eh, well. Uh, it just <laughs> feels like, you know, video game. games get so big now that the only way they sustain them is by selling them to a lot of people, um, yeah. which limits their ability to be weird or like not even challenging but sort of like thought provoking. Well, why put why put money into that? Why, why make that that particular thing? Like you would think that the people making video games would understand the market to know, "Hey, let's not put a gigantic budget expectation on our ghost murder mystery adventure <laughs> game." Like don't like keep the budget low, the expectations low and let them do what they want and, and then you might have a hit. Like, yeah, that just seems really weird to me. That's like Oh man, all of our expectations are riding on this visual novel. <laughs> Why? Yeah, I don't know. It's like lightning <laughs> can strike, but yeah, I, I do feel like there's there's sometimes a lack of realism. Without, I'm not a person who's very interested in the money side of things, uh, and I don't have a lot of insider insight. Uh, it does feel like when Tomb Raider makes X amount of millions of dollars, but that's not enough, then the expectations need to be calibrated and you may need to scale back your budget to suit that. Like, even though I really like Tress Effects, if Tress Effects was going to make your game perform, underperform, uh, then maybe we didn't need it. Well, that, that, that doesn't make any sense to me either. So, like, what'd they say on Tomb Raider? Like, oh, we moved, like, six million copies or something. Yeah. And that was a disappointment. And then they're out there saying, like, oh, Watch Dogs, we sold four, we sold four million. Holy shit, what a huge hit. Well, like, I guess that's <laughs> like their first week sales or whatever. I, I, I only keep up with this stuff through Twitter and like the couple people I follow on Twitter who talk about this stuff. Yeah, none of it makes it's it all reeks of Hollywood to me. It, it does feel a little obfuscated. Where I where say. it's it's uh, this movie cost us a hundred million dollars to make. It made five hundred million worldwide at the box office. What a letdown! Because we expected it to make seven hundred million. So fuck yeah. this. It's a failure. And it's like, but didn't you make money? Did you make money on that? Like, <laughs> so, uh, looking at the yeah. games that the director of uh, Murdered Soul Suspect, uh, it's kind of Yosuke Shiokawa, I think. Yeah, it's not looking much. Other stuff he did, I um, I kind of think this was some his pet project that Square Enix kind of let him give him enough rope to hang himself with or something because he worked on like, Kingdom Hearts, Final Fantasy, so. Yeah, it seems like his biggest thing was uh, Dissidia. Mm-hmm. So, Yikes. yeah, I don't know. I'd never really, I'd never heard of this guy. Now, does it really feel like a personal kind of project, would you say? Or is it more like something it that got like stopped into pace by focus groups? Or? I mean, no, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that. But it did feel like anybody could have written this game. Uh, yeah. 
like the dude who's a detective. This is in present day. He's like wearing an outfit with like a vest with no jacket and a fedora. He's got like an old style <laughs> gun holster and his badges on his belt. Like, now, is it a fedora or a trilby? That's important. I guess technically it's a trilby. But <laughs> people who make that distinction, it's like <laughs> you got go. You got to go read a book, man. <laughs> like, don't spend your time on the internet <laughs> hashing this out. <laughs> Yeah, douche hats. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, so I mean, otherwise, uh, what's what's valuable that I've played? Uh, I, I played and reviewed two smaller games for ANN, Transistor and Child of Light, both of which were really good. Uh, Child of Light was especially cool. I thought it's got this like Grandia style battle system with like oh, the so time more like the, uh, Grandia than Valkyrie Profile, you think? Or oh yeah, yeah, it's it's nothing like that. Um, nice. This is like, it's the timing, like, you've got a bar, and you start casting a spell at a certain point in the bar, and if somebody attacks you, you get knocked back, and you have to start your turnover. Uh, it's pretty easy, so a lot of that stuff doesn't really come into play, but about it's how long really, is it? sorry, sorry, go, go ahead. No, about how long is it, would you say? Uh, maybe like 10, 12 hours, I don't know. Oh. I've never been too good at, like, charting my time. Yeah, um, they don't give you a counter, I can't really keep track of it. Yeah, but it's it's really cool. It's like a really good looking game. Uh, it comes from Ubisoft, which I guess you just get this perception in your head of like um, monolithic, almost indiscernible from one another games. Where it's like the feature creep between these games is so strong that like how much difference is there from Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed? Except they like both have or one has better guns in it. Like you're kind of doing the same things. Or even Far Cry, like they're all kind of on this continuum of like open world generic game where you shoot or stab things uh, and do side quests that aren't that fun, <laughs> or like pick up treasure chests or like all the extraneous side material. So this is just like a super tight game where there's really very little side quests. Uh, it's written in rhyme and not particularly well. Oh yeah, <laughs> like I, the, I saw that even the trailer. There's yeah, something just off about the way that they do the. The cadence, well, but it just doesn't really have that. It's really, it, it's really sad because it feels like they could have just hired somebody who was good at poker. Right, right. Uh, instead, it just comes off as this really clumsy, like, uh, like student level, like, like a storybook yeah. somebody wrote for their kids and didn't yeah, really just like dash out some rhymes, which is sad because it's actually kind of like a subversive story and the. The themes of the story, like it, it just totally plays around in these like st- standard um, storybook themes. There's like references to every fairy tale. Like there's, uh, but primarily Sleeping Beauty and stuff like that. It's also um, a two-player game, isn't it? Well, yeah, in like a cutesy kind of like um, Mario Galaxy way. Yeah, I, I don't know what the exact term for that is, uh, but it, asymmetrical, you would say. Yeah, one dude, one player controls the little firefly. Which sounds like silly. He's kind of just a mouse cursor, but it's actually pretty fun working together with somebody like that. Like way more fun than playing Final Fantasy VI two-player was, where like you just each control like two different <laughs> people. Uh, so in this, like the Firefly has his own power gauge, which he can use to heal people during battle or to delay the enemy's turns. So you can sort of, sort of like uh, feather the the shoulder button and finesse them into the zone where they'll be vulnerable to interruption and stuff like that. So it's actually really engaging for the second player. It's much more complicated than like doing the stupid Mario Galaxy thing, which I don't think anybody who's older than like five would actually <laughs> want to do yeah. because you just like collect the stars or whatever, like hooray. Where in this, 
I played through it with my wife, and we kind of would trade the controller back and forth, and both of us were pretty happy doing either role. Like, if the first player is playing a really standard, like, turn-based RPG from the late 90s, like, not a lot of complex actions. Mm. Uh, but there is some coolness to it. And, yeah, like I said, it's just... It's interest. It's interesting how it's a little. It's a little subversive. Like they they take this character who's like a princess, or they everybody calls her a princess. She's not technically, and that's sort of. It makes a lot of subtle statements about the role of princesses in these fairy tale stories, uh, and their act. They're being active versus passive, and that is like almost completely overswept by just the garbage rhymes. Like I feel mean saying it, but. The rhyming is pretty bad, and sometimes you just have to tolerate it, and there's, like, not a lot of cuteness to that. It's all but... voice acted, too, isn't it? Like, oh, no, no, no. There's, like, uh, like uh, a narrator that shows up from time to time, but no. They try a couple cute jokes. There's, like, a jester who can't rhyme, so everybody has to chime in with the correct word after she said the incorrect one. That's cute enough, but... Okay, so it's, it, you think it would be worse if people were actually saying the rhymes out loud? Or... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it bothered me that much more. But, like, yeah, yeah and I the think... other one was is Transistor, which is, like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the time I played it, I was like, hmm, I don't know. I feel like this is slightly better than Bastion in most categories. And then I, I my wife went to play Bastion, and I watched her play it. And it's uh, even better than I sort of imagined <laughs> Uh, they've really, like, amped up their art game, especially. Mm. But the combat, it's functionally just like this... It's timed like Parasite Eve, kind of. You can play it as... Basically, and go... Yeah, you can play it as an action game. It's a little tough, because there's a a big cooldown on most of your attacks. But you have this power that lets you pause the game and queue up a series of moves that really feels like Parasite Eve, how you would, like run around until your turn was ready and then take your turn and choose your targets and shoot them and then you'd run around until your bar recharged. Um, and it's just... It's, like, not the most complicated system in the world, but there's, like, 16 powers and every power is its own power and then can support another power in some usually pretty creative way where, like, if you put a bomb inside your laser beam, you shoot, like, a three-pronged laser beam or something like that. So there's a lot of stuff to play around with, uh, and it's short, which is something I I tend to appreciate. (laughs) Uh, And really just, like, yeah, I came out of it thinking, eh, this is a little better than Bastion, kind of in the same mold. And then seeing Bastion right next to it, I was really impressed by how far these guys had come in, like, only a couple years it seems like it's pretty much the same staff and they really just like, I guess they're figuring it out because it was really one of the most satisfying combat systems I've played in a while where I really love in a game when you find a combination of moves you, you like and you're like, this is the best combination of moves. Nothing is ever going to be better than this. And then like an hour later, you're trying something new and that's now the best combination of moves. So in that, like, Transistor is satisfied the whole way through, and I beat the game, and it just prompts you immediately to, like, you want to do New Game Plus? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll play till the first checkpoint, see what happens. And, like, an hour and a half later, I was still playing it, so that was really satisfying for me. Now, this has that voiceover, right? Similar to what Bastion did, except... Yeah. Stuck kind of, and on the... Sorry, go ahead. I felt like that they got a little big for their britches and that stuff. Uh, yeah, but the, on the PlayStation 4, you, the, it actually talks to you through the controller, right? Yes. That is my that is my favorite 
feature of any new console thus far is the controller <laughs> does it, speaker. Does it really have any effect on what you do with the controller? Does it respond to anything? Or does oh it, no, it's, it's just a, it's just a speaker. It's just really for it's really good ambiance. Uh, I really love that. I feel like when I really got turned on to that stuff was in the Fatal Frame Wii games. And there were a lot of, there were like, oh, not yeah. a lot. There were like maybe a couple Wii games that used that speaker and the controller really well. Was that the one where you had to actually lift the, the Wii remote up to your ear and use like a, a telephone? Yeah, or was that calling? Yeah. The Silent Hill ones did that too. But it's just like that super lo-fi speaker playing creepy ghost phone calls. <laughs> totally makes sense. It's a match made in heaven. So I'm happy that the PS4 is carrying this into like the new millennium where they did it. It's great in... Um, Resogun, just fantastic and totally appropriate for that sort of 80s style shooter they're trying to make. And it's, it was really cool here for the same reasons that it feels like a little lo-fi. Um, and it makes it, yeah, it makes it feel like a little gritty. And the, the voice of the sword in Transistor is the same as the narrator from Bastion. So he's got like a super gravelly voice. And he's like, hey, what's going on? The problem I had with it is that he just talks like all the time. And I just felt like they... Received so much praise for the Bastion narrator that they were like, we can do no wrong and just wrote so much stuff that like he never ever shuts up. Like there are points where he's saying something and then you you do the action he tells you to do before he's done saying it. And then he interrupts himself to comment on the action you just made and then like interrupts himself again and just like never stops. Uh, so at times I was like, shut up, sword. Just shoot more laser beams. Uh but other than that, I mean, it's great. And I played through most of Dragon Guard. I did not get the final ending. Oh, uh, don't worry. <laughs> I hope you're not disappointed. But <laughs> oh, no. Did you get all the weapons, though? No. I think I hit like 70% before yeah. I tapped out. I was, it was like, like a ah. 15 game or something. The weapons, I did enjoy that a lot. That is really, in my opinion, probably the neatest idea the Dragon Guard games have had, where if you. As you level up the weapon, you get an extra chapter in, in the weapon's history, and they range from just completely insane, bloodthirsty babble to, you know, little tiny, almost koans, you know, like little homilies and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, so, I thought it was cool. I really like Nier. Oh, but yeah. I got into Nier late, so I hadn't played any Drakengard before that part. You didn't actually, yeah. And the, the only thing that Nier didn't have was actually the weapon stories. Which, yeah, well, yeah. I, I just want to frame it like so. Coming to Drakengard three from that, I'm sure I'm not yeah, alone. That's ours. Uh, expecting Nier, it's not on the same level. It's like yeah, really yeah. a different yeah. type of game, and I'm actually surprised because when you listen to interviews with that guy, uh, it's not the person you would expect to have made Nier. Because he's kind of just like, we just, you know, throw whatever shit at the wall and see what sticks. And we just kind of go into a game trying to make the craziest thing we can. And I was like, that's so surprising to me because Nier is like one of the most thoughtful video games I've ever played. Like, it's really pensive and has this just like overwhelming sense of melancholy where like... And and just so few games do that. Like I, I really like the Dark Souls games for that, but there's not a lot outside of that that does. So it's really surprising for me yeah, to hear and be like, "Oh, we don't know what we're doing." Like it's just he's kind of whatever. I get the feeling that pitch meetings with him are just him throwing out stuff, and then the producer saying no, 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 until they arrive at one marketable idea, and then it's yeah, like, I mean, "Okay, fine, make the game about that." Cool, man. Even if I'm not like super into like Deadly Premonition was kind of whatever, I would much rather have that than like just at least it's different 
And it, I can appreciate that weirdness on some sort of like an intellectual level, even if I am not completely in love with the game. I would really uh, like to find out what the writer of like Nier and Drakengard is kind of like, because all, all four, three Drakengard games in Nier have the same writer, and I've never really seen an interview with her or anything. So, Oh, it's a woman? Yeah, it's um, oh, a so walk on the Tory thing. Yeah, um, I, I guess I always just attach the director to the writer. If if there's not like an explicit split made, like Rihanna Pratchett writes the really bad ending to Tomb Raider, like then <laughs> I kind of just yeah, they don't really hype it. It's kind of uh, yeah. I mean, I I definitely got what Drakengard Three was putting down. Yeah, yeah. I was like they they're they're they really want to be satire. And sometimes it works, and I felt like sometimes. a lot of the times it didn't work. Oh yes, look at this level design; it's so terrible. Yeah, the the, the like the third Although, time she's like, I hate jumping on platforms so much. <laughs> Although you know what though, the platform jumping was probably the least. Yeah, like, it was actually pretty easy. Stuff. Yeah, and it was like it took like five seconds to get through. Uh, yeah, I don't think it really had any. You know, in near one of the neat things I liked about that is the. You play it the first time and you're fighting the shades, and then they're, it seems like they're just spouting this gibberish. But then when you play it through the second time, it's subtitled. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's why I, I was kind of hoping for that level of twist with yeah. Drakengard. So it's more like he tried to make this game the game that he wanted Drakengard, the original one, to be with all yeah. you know, multiple ending and the crazy stuff. I don't it does know. Have, but, sorry, go. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, I don't know if I was super into the like, oh, we're going to make this woman like the most despicable protagonist ever mm-hmm. and the impression i sort of got was like she's actually pretty much the same as like any given male protagonist in a game like this she's just like a woman and mm-hmm. are you reacting to it differently because it's a woman uh, so that gave me something to chew on but i felt like at the end like they're trying to humanize her and i wasn't like completely pushing against it but it did feel like they. It was. It just felt a little bit like a bridge too far to me. Yeah, and the thing that strikes me different though is that in a lot of games, especially ones with the males, they will give the, you know, the antihero some sort of motivation at the start, some sort of rationale to make him, um, you know, basically a murderer and stuff like that. And this one, they really they kept it hidden if it even was just rationalized. Sure. Well, I. I I, I guess I kind of folded that into my reading of it is that when they give characters like that rationale, like it's it's never anything really substantial. Right. It's yeah. like like Dante's like you killed my mom. Mm, right, <laughs> like it's, 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 so I yeah. Center though, so the player can at least you know excuse. Yeah. What they're going to do. Yeah, yeah I, I feel you. Um, it, it for me, it felt like pushback against that mm. sort of thing. Just like. Well, you know what the con- the contextualization for like why you're murdering seven thousand lizard men in these games is like <laughs> never really that solid, and nobody cares past the opening cutscene half the time. Like God of War, like that's really like I felt like this was the mirror image of God of War, and they were like we're going to twist it ever so slightly. Um, basically, we're just like we're not going to hand wave any of this stuff, right. like. We're just going to present it as it is and not be like, oh, my family died and I killed them and I'm so angsty that I have to, like, have a quick time event three-way with these mm-hmm. prostitutes on the boat, <laughs> like, I before I kill Ares. Uh, and in that way, I thought it was pretty interesting. And it's actually fun enough to play, like, as someone who has played a lot of Dynasty Warriors games and never really liked any of them. Yeah, they kind of uh, got rid of the Dynasty Warriors approach. And with, it feels a little bit, almost, not like Devil May Cry, I guess, but they... 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's clearly not on like a Devil May Cry level, but she's pretty, she's quick, and you can cancel out of most of her moves. Yes, yes. And the enemies don't, by and large, have too much health, which mm-hmm. is like the problem with games like God of War is that the enemies just have like infinite health, and you only have like a couple combos. Or yeah. truthfully, in God of War, you have like dozens of combos, and you you use one, <laughs> like whichever is most comfortable for your thumbs to work. Uh, yeah, I like that. I like that there was a lot of pink in that game. That's just like a personal <laughs> preference. But I really some of the animation with their stuff was just cool. Like when you get higher up in the combo chains, oh, I'm yeah. sure you saw it like a hundred times where she like stabs her sword into the ground and these like sort of flowery light uh, things just like burst out of the ground and it's all pink. And I just like that. Pink's not like a color you always see in these games. So it was it was fun for me. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I. Honestly, I think that is the most anyone has talked about Dragon Guard Three. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> yeah, it those didn't uh, get too those, much attention. Those, those, those games are, I would say, below the radar. Is that's generous? <laughs> like they're like not. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever heard of them before. Near, <laughs> mm-hmm. or if I had, just like really, like in a magazine ad, maybe. Yeah. I, I, I think I played the demo back in like the day, and it was really just amazingly dull. So I mean, yeah, of- that, that first level of Dragon Guard One is like, here's what the game is. Enjoy. Yeah, someone told me it was like Panzer Dragoon halfway, I guess. And that, no. Nope. Especially but, at that time, like I mean, that was around or even after when Panzer Dragoon Order came out. I imagine 2003. Yeah, yeah, same time. So like, oh, yeah, yeah, great. The best Panzer Dragoon game came out. And you're comparing like Dragon Guard to that. You like Order better more than Saga? Well, uh, I guess I wasn't including Saga because it's okay, like no. not a shooter. We'll debate that. And I've only played a few hours of it, but uh, Order is definitely my favorite of like one, two, and Order. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. All right. Um, okay. So, uh, anything else, Dave, or is that wrapped up? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's been slow. Yeah, it's at uh, sort of that time of year. Uh, Nobody played yeah. Watch Dogs. Nobody touched it. No, not even my like. I need to. I got this PS4 that's not doing a whole lot except when I buy games on it that I could also play on PC. Yeah. Well, uh, the reviews weren't necessarily encouraging. Yeah, and that's just not my style of game either. Not anymore. I don't think so. Like, uh, you know, if I'm going to play an open world game. I'll just wait for the next Saints Row and yeah. I was going to say there was I didn't understand this or I felt I didn't understand, but but I guess what I gathered from context is that the people who made Saints Row or the publisher or whatever was like, there's going to be a Saints Row announcement at E3, and they did that like as a bait and switch to announce Dead Island Two. <laughs> Am I oh, understanding boo. that right? Boo! <laughs> uh, That's like that is the worst trade imaginable. Yeah, God, Dead Island, fuck that shit. You're half <laughs> my birthday cake. It is made of dog. Yeah. Well, I don't know, like, you know, frankly, I never got the hype around Watch Dogs to begin with. Like, last E3, everyone was like, oh, man, it's like, that doesn't look even, like, it doesn't even look like a little interesting. Like, that looks like yeah. something I would buy if I was super bored and it was a Steam sale. And it was like four or five dollars. Yep. And there will be. It will be. <laughs> yeah, no, it will be. But that that's totally what it looked like to me. Um, so uh, let me. I just want to run through. But we haven't. It, we've been talking for an hour, and we haven't even gotten to E three yet. Uh, so let me just run through some of the stuff. I, I wanted to make a comment on Child of Light. Um, I bought that too. I, I played through a little bit of it, and uh, I gotta say, like you said, like it was really pretty. 
I have to admit, like, that's part of the reason that I bought it was, it was like, oh, the art style looks kind of interesting, but as I played it, I realized, wait a minute, no, no, it's kind of not. Like, this is really samey, by, by fantasy illustration standards, this is really samey. Hmm. And it's the samey kind of children's book crossed with Brian Froud thing that you get in a ton of games. Not, not okay, maybe not a ton, but the the closest analogy I can find, or the the closest example I can think of is like those like later Secret of Mana games, uh, uh-huh. crappy you know, ones, yeah, 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 the shitty ones where the illustration style was like, oh wow, like this is clearly what they wanted to be doing in like the 16-bit era, but they couldn't pull it off. So here's these illustrations. But it's all the same children's book X Brian sure. Froud yeah. thing. And um, yeah, the designs Light, really didn't jump out of me. As and, and, and Child of Light totally looks like that. But everyone is like, this game is so gorgeous. And it's like, well, it's the UBART uh, uh, engine. So all the animation, you can see, you can almost see the reused Rayman animation routines. Well, they definitely do that with those like little things you got to pick up. Yeah. And I was like, wow, my least favorite part of Rayman's back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's compulsory to get your hit points back after battles. So, like, uh, so, but, but once, I, once I found myself a little irritated with the visual style of it because I realized this does kind of, uh, something was bugging me from the get-go and I was like, oh, this looks like every game that looks like this. They all look like this. Uh, hmm. Figure out another fantasy illustration style, please. Like, I am tired of the Brian Froudy thing with, uh, with tent- <laughs> Yeah, like, sort I, mean, of I guess weaving. I just really like the sort of pastel look of it. I, I wouldn't necessarily contest you, but I can't think of... As I guess I'm just so inundated. Like, what you see on a day-to-day basis is so not this that I responded really sure. positively to sure. it. Sure, I'm not running it down or anything. I'm just saying, like... I looked at it and was like, you know what? Wait a minute. This isn't that interesting looking. <laughs> like, uh, and that was just maybe me being a, 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 a joy a, a joy kill or kill joy. Um, but and I found the gameplay to be fine. I, I you know I'll probably play more of it, but it yeah it, it didn't really pull me in. And, and I found the rhyming to be oh you were so right when you said like studenty like ooh, yeah I mean I don't know how that how they got away with that. I don't and I don't even think bringing someone in who knew what they were doing with poetry would have fixed I mean it. maybe I just, yeah I that just would think have been they just shouldn't have, I just think they shouldn't have made that choice I think it was, was bad. It the uh, writer and the director the same person maybe because that's kind of I don't think so kinda, when do you get that sort of thing I I'm not sure so okay. I, I couldn't say um but uh, I will say the the thing I played most recently that really made me just angry with how bad it was was uh, Castlevania Lords of Shadow 2. Oh, God. My God. I have not been that angry at a game <laughs> in a long time. Like, So I got this because it came out, and I was like... and the re- It came out, and then the reviews came out. And the reviews were like, uh-oh. <laughs> and no. I actually really liked the first one. I thought oh. the first one was a fine game. Um, I thought it was really pretty, and I loved the diversity. Like, talk about a good-looking game. There's a good-looking game. Like, that game was gorgeous and had really varied environments and was interesting and, and stupid in the right kind of... Like, the, the right kind of stupid. The kind of stupid I want. The kind of stupid where you're fighting Satan at the end. Like, <laughs> that's the kind of stupid I like. Um, and the second one is fucking horrible. <laughs> I just... I, I don't know how else to put it. It is a gigantic disappointment, and it really upset me because my favorite game of all time is Symphony of the Night, and mm. this game tries to get you to like it by quoting that game all the time. Oh, um, really? 
Oh, yeah, I think in the beginning they even quote the miserable pile of secrets line. For no reason. Uh, yeah, Dracula comes out of his castle and there's a giant Vatican robot. This is the most wrong. <laughs> yes, you have to climb it like a god of war and you pull the yes. bolts off of it or something. Right. This, you get that wrong. This is the most promising part of the game when I'm like, oh, this is so dumb. This is great. Dracula's going to kill like he vomits blood all over the Vatican robot. It's super <laughs> stupid. But then it just goes to shit. But it, like he comes out of his castle, the Vatican robot's there and he goes, what is a man? A miserable pile of secrets. And you're like, what? Why did you say <laughs> that? And then later, like at the end of that and at the end of that segment, you're fighting like a paladin guy in this big golden armor, and he keeps saying, "You monster, you don't belong in this monster. Uh, you or die, monster, you don't belong in this world." As part of his attack routine, so he just says it over and over and over and over again, and you're like, "Stop it! Stop it! Stop quoting that game! It's not making me like you anymore." Um, and then you wake up twenty thousand years later or whatever, and you're in. Uh, dystopian gunmetal gray future with Assassin's Creed style climbing mechanics and you have to, there's like steampunk Warhammer 40k guys and it's just fucking trash like <laughs> I was so upset I, I was really upset I got this and that the, the HD port of that also garbage 3DS game Mirror of Fate. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, that game's yeah, the worst. that was the one that was supposed to be the Metroidvania re- Reborn or something. And yeah, it just and, it's turned out. and it's awful. And it's awful. They sold me a... <laughs> yeah, right. They sold me a bill of goods. Uh, and yeah, fact, like I said to you on Twitter, I was playing that in an emergency room <laughs> at like four in the morning. And I chose to close my DS and stare at the wall instead. <laughs> yeah. After a while, I was just like, this game is so... It's nothing. There's nothing in that game. Yeah, there's nothing. And, <laughs> and they're trying to, like, rewrite the Belmont legacy. Oh, my God, Like yeah. It's like, oh, now it, yeah, you're playing a Simon Belmont. And he's, like, a werewolfy guy for some reason. <laughs> and Trevor's his dad, and Alucard is... Well, Alucard's which in one it. turned into Alucard? Yeah, Alucard's in it, and it, you're just like, fuck this. Fuck this. This is not what I want. But I guess that's done. Like, no more Lords of Shadow anything, I hope. Yeah, I think uh, the developer pretty much imploded or something. There was, I forget where it was, but one of the programmers was talking about how the director was a complete ass and an egotist and ruined the project or something. And I don't know what Mercury Steam's doing now. Well, okay, so, like, I, the, 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 I, I was playing Castlevania, uh, Lords of Shadow 2, I was playing it on a stream. And uh, basically just, just very upset with, with the, way this, the, the way this game was going. And I was get, I got to a boss fight that was like, it was like taken from, um, it was ripped off, the design anyway, was ripped off from uh, Alice Madness Returns with the China doll face on a big hulking body. And you start hitting it and it, it's covered in these like blood tentacles. And it says, if you, if you don't hit the right spot enough times, it says, no, attack the blood. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm not playing this. Never mind. And closed it. It's not even for five dollars. Do not buy that game, even if you're curious. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so the other game I played the shit out of was Mario Kart. I'm still playing the shit out of Mario Kart. Um, that game is a lot of fun, and they got the online Nintendo for once got the online working pretty good. So uh, I've been playing with Twitter buddies, and uh, we've been having a, a great time. And that game is uh, super fun and pretty, and uh, yeah, kind of kind of perfect. I uh, I like uh, I like most of the tracks. You know, it's not like a like 
when you're playing online, like, everybody picks a track, and there's, like, a round robin, like, it's sort of a roulette thing where it's random, but it, it'll take from the the choices that everyone made, and it's, you know, somebody will always pick Rainbow Road, and you're like, fuck you, like, why'd you pick Rainbow <laughs> Road? Um, but even then, it's not that bad, like, the, the tracks are all really, really well designed. I've just been having a lot of fun with it, which I know, shocker, a Mario Kart game is really fun, but... It is. It's really fun, and it makes me happy to have uh, have a Wii U, and and I hope's been enjoying it too. And, and yeah, I, I just really enjoying that Mario Kart game. Um, so is there is there any sort of like if you're playing with two people, one person plays on the gamepad, that kind of thing? No, um, it's going to be split screen. Uh, there is no gameplay on the gamepad. The gamepad just has like there's a horn honk button. <laughs> Well, that sounds fun, but it is fun. But oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. That's if they would just do that and do the Metroidvania map on it, I would be like, okay, you guys don't have to be creative. But they don't even do that much. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, <laughs> like just to have a way to play two-player games without needing split screen would be like a great use of that thing, even if not the most innovative. Well, I mean, with Mario Kart. Specifically, I'm not sure I would want it to be on that little screen. I, yeah, you know, it's it, maybe it would be better than having it big on the TV, but I don't know. Like, I, I want as much real estate as I can get, and like the split screen in those games. Like, so Hope and I were playing two player versus the world. So basically, the two of you can race against an online group of another ten people. Uh, which is a nice... I, I'm happy they put that in there. I was worried that that wasn't going to be in there and like only one of us could race at, at a time against our against Twitter people. Um, but the two of us can race at the same time. The only problem is only one person has a gamepad. Uh-huh. And the, right, right now, the only other controller we have is a Wiimote, which is not okay to, to play this game with. It is not okay. So controls are horrible. It, it's garbage. <laughs> like, you do not have any precision with that thing. Uh, so you kind of need a pro controller uh, if you're going to play two-player. Uh, so we, we actually just switch off with the gamepad. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, the Wii mode is, worth, is worthless. No, yeah. Do not waste your time with it. Um, <clears throat> I guess you wouldn't really care. I mean, we've been playing split-screen Mario Kart for the past 20 years. So it's like kind of like, what's the difference? Well, it, it because okay, so like the the thing that I've noticed the most about Mario Kart, or at least this time around, and it, it's probably been true forever, is that if you're in the front, it's really hard. It's really hard to lose your lead. If you're in the middle, it's a it's an orgy of lightning and shells and horrible getting smashed with every power up in existence and just the worst. And if you're in the back, it's almost impossible to get up to the front. Hmm. That's kind of the way it is here. Uh, and if you're using the Wiimote, you don't have enough precision to like glide around the corners at the exact right angle, get yeah. the boosts at the right time to really get ahead. Like You're going to be in the back all the time. Um, and maybe it's just because I'm no good with the Wiimote, but it, it's, it, neither is Hope and really anybody I know. Like There's a special thing uh, in, in the chat when you're in the lobby for Mario Kart. It has a like every Nintendo thing. It has like pre-selected chat uh, sayings, um, and one of them is "I'm using tilt controls," so people know you're using a Wiimote and they can take it easy on you. <laughs> it's like, hey, play nice. Yeah, basically, like here's why I suck. Like I'm using a Wiimote. 
So, I mean, have a pro. Have, if you're playing two player on one console, I would say get use a pro controller with the gamepad. Um, but I, I'm really enjoying that. Like, probably the most fun I've had in a vi- with a video game all year. Uh, so, anyway, we're supposed to talk about E3. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that thing again? Yeah, right. It's that time of year. And uh, on Monday, there were four press conferences in a row, as usual, starting at 9 and going all the way until 8. So, just about 12 hours of press conferences. Um, started with Microsoft, then went to Electronic Arts, then Ubisoft, then Sony. Um, I, I don't know about you guys. But during that entire day, the only thing that captured my interest... Well, okay, not the only thing. There were maybe two things that captured my interest. One of them was the thing I already knew was going to happen was Tomb Raider. I liked that first one a lot. I'm looking forward to Tomb Raider 2. The title they gave it is horrible. (laughs) Yeah, it's like Rise Rise of the Tomb Raider. Yeah, it's not a superhero name. (laughs) Tomb Raider, yes. I'm also looking forward to that game. Um, (laughs) Well, that first one was a lot of fun. It it looked great, too. Yeah, it kind of just felt like a really good example of, like, AAA form. I was like, they're not getting too creative here. It's a game where you shoot bullets and climb around on stuff. Yeah, And they did a pretty good job. Plus, nice and short. If you yeah. want it to be, nice and short. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. And then, uh, you know, everyone's talking about that No Man's Sky thing. Mm. And uh, this is the sort of open world. Everyone starts on a new planet and you explore and look at dinosaurs and fly around in space and look how crazy it is. And uh, if that game even delivers on 10%, 20% of what it seems like it's trying to deliver on, it could be a fun time. Um, other I'm not than even that, sure I understand what that game is is no exactly seems like, to know what that game is like like i heard a guy talk about it and he was like you can upgrade your spaceship to have guns and then you can upgrade your suit so like poison doesn't hurt you and i was like is this eve online or like is it a, what it's is it? that, that random generation i guess for the worlds and the monsters and whatever so i assume that you're and you're supposed to basically explore it and map it out and i don't know make your own nature documentaries not really <laughs> All I know is there's dinosaurs. And yeah, space, like spaceships. Like not dinosaur dinosaurs. Yeah. Procedurally gen- generated dinosaurs. <laughs> That's it. Like That's Triceratops head and Ankylosaurus spikes. Yeah. Once it like once it becomes clearer what that game is actually supposed to be about or what you do in it, like that will be more interesting. The trailers are very impressive. Um, other than that, I gotta say. Uh, Almost nothing. All four of those press conferences, I didn't care. I, and it, it wasn't just like snarky apathy. It was like, okay, well, here's another one of these. Here's another one of these. Here's another one of these. Here's some Destiny footage, which, man, I, I watched some. I, I watched some videos of the alpha on Destiny, and uh, I was a little intrigued. I was like, well, maybe. And then I watched the footage, and you're in industrial warehouses shooting alien spawn guys, and I don't care. <laughs> now I don't care. Yeah. I mean, somebody on somebody sent me a Tumblr ask I haven't responded to that was like, "Why are you into Destiny? It doesn't look like anything crazy to me. If anyone's going to convince me, it's you." And I, I just have to be like, "Cause I like Halo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about the game. Uh, I, I mean, I just don't watch a lot of these trailers. So it's kind of just like, well, they made like a bunch of good Halo games. They weren't all great, but I hope it's good." Well, uh, Johnny Bomb has like a full hour and a half of gameplay out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I was watching, and I was like, "This looks, 
This doesn't look like that much fun. But it's like a loot game, right? Like sort of. Borderlands-ish. I mean, they, were, they were showing like some skill trees, like big skill trees, and like literally they're just in a, in an abandoned industrial warehouse. There's alien guys coming at them that look like every alien guy from every alien anything, uh, and they're called like Colthron or something like that, or <laughs> whatever the fuck. I don't know why I said Cull. Call the conquerors <laughs> in my brain for some reason, uh, and then uh, a named guy who had like yellow on his name spawned, and he was really powerful. So, and then that's it, and that's it, and it, it looked pretty mm-hmm. when they were outside. Like it looked, there were some nice tree physics and stuff, but then you just you just using a pulse rifle to shoot at aliens in abandoned industrial complexes, and that's boring to me. I, I'm not, and I'm not excited about that. So, the problem with these like sort of loot based games and levels and whatever is that they, by necessity, uh, dilute their content just by having a large breadth of it. Right. Like, there's only so many man hours in a day. Yeah. So, you're going to make like a bunch of level 49 cull thrawns <laughs> that aren't that different <laughs> from the 48 ones. Yeah. Um, I've played a lot of Borderlands recently, which so this is fresh on my mind. Oh, okay. Uh, but, like, so the. The reason I like Halo is because those encounters, even though they take place in, like, whatever fields and the aliens are like, grunt, grunt, we're aliens, whatever, uh, there's, there's not a lot of alien types and they all act pretty differently from each other. Like, there's only, like, five to ten enemies in the whole game. Yeah. Uh, so, the, and, and there isn't, like, a level 47 shock pistol that's, like, different than the level 7 fire pistol. Like, there's a plasma pistol that does this. There's an assault rifle that does this, and it's up to you to find a combination that works, but you're playing with, like, a small set of toys. So, if this is going to be a game where you're, like, comparing, like, the damage numbers on your pulse rifle, like, that stuff really... It never really grabs me. Like, it gets so bogged down in minutia of stuff I just, like, don't care about. Uh, And the battles tend to be, like, these thoughtless slugfests, where you're just, like, well, this guy's level 50 and I'm level 49, so I need to dump this many bullets into his head while circle strafing to kill him. Like, there's just not a lot of... So, I don't know. I mean, it's Bungie, and I really like Bungie games. So, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but... Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a hard road to hold. I, I, was, I, I was interested until I saw that, like, hour and a half and was like, uh, no, no, like, no. The character creation looks nice. <laughs> was, oh, well, was, I'm always into that. I was enjoying watching that. That's very high fidelity character creation. Like I have to admit, like next gen, next gen graphics, as it were, I'm most excited about character creation. Stuff. I mean, that's always one of my favorite things. <laughs> uh, like half the reason I'm playing Borderlands is that chance that a new color palette's going to drop out of some monster and make my day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a first-person game, right? I literally don't even know that much. It's not third-person. It's, it's a first-person shooter, yeah. It's so weird when they have super in-depth character creation in a first-person game. Yeah, right. <laughs> you you can, like, never look see at you. yourself in a mirror. Everyone else can see you, you know? Yeah. Well, there I, was, say, I do like some of the vehicle design in Destiny. I'll, I'll give it that much. It's got this sort of bug-like, Mazumone Shiro, clustery look to it. So, And a that's a little different than the typical alien shooter, though. I'll, I'll, so, yeah, that's a compliment for me. Yeah, it's it again. It it it's not like an ugly game. It's not a bad looking game. It's just that the minute you put me in a gunmetal gray corridor, and I'm just mowing down generic looking alien guys, and then I move to a big room where there's 
<clears throat> alien guys spawning from the rear, and then I kill all those guys, those guys, and I turn around, and then they're spawning from the left entrance. That's boring. <laughs> it's really boring. And mm. it, if that's what the game is, if that's the majority of the game, is get off your ship, go into dull environment, kill things, the end. I, I it's no different from that's no different from a generic generic ass shooter. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, it, I just wasn't impressed with what I saw. Um, <clears throat> but beyond that, um, yeah, there wasn't there wasn't too much. Uh, I, I was. <laughs> they announced uh, that they're remaking or, or refurbishing, I guess, Grim Fandango. Oh yes. Which um, I I have to admit, my first reaction to that was, "Do they fix the controls? Are you going to fix the controls?" <laughs> oh yeah, that. I don't know if it really bugged me too much. I mean, it's a game where you can't really die or you take damage from anything, so yeah, but the, the Rose of Evil thing awful. was okay, but I do hope they improve a lot of that on it. So I hope so. That would be fantastic. I would love if they fixed controls on that and made it more playable, because it's hard to move the character around. Yeah, it, it, it was kind of a weird idea, because it's a point, essentially a point-and-click game where you have to walk around like, you know, Jill Valentine or whatever, so yep. that was a strange design decision. Yeah, so here's hoping they're like, oh, people loved that. It's like, no, just make it analog. <laughs> just so I never, I never played it. So for me, it's like they they're announcing a new game. Oh, well, there <laughs> it's you like, go. oh, cool, one of like the most well-regarded adventure games of all time. Yeah, I'll um, get to play it in a convenient way. That that Disney licensed that to them. I hope that they uh, also are just don't care about the rest of that LucasArts stuff. And they're like, yeah, fine, make full full throttle again. I don't care. <laughs> It's like great. Uh, I will totally if you, if you put full throttle on Steam, I will buy it. No problem. <laughs> I hope they dig up the um, maybe they can dig up the old full throttle too because the one that was basically a practically an adventure brawler game and nobody liked it and it got canceled. Yeah, <laughs> I was always curious about it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't- I don't know if I want that. Like, cancel it for a reason, but uh, well, actually, actually, the Sam and Max that got canceled—that was supposed to be good. So maybe. You know? I mean, who knows if any of that stuff will resurface? But yeah, it would well. be nice if they uh, released a lot of that old LucasArts stuff because we got remakes of like Monkey Island and Monkey Island Two. Uh, I wouldn't mind it. Like, if they put those out for Sam and Max and Indiana Jones and uh, Day of the Tentacle, I would probably pick all those up. So you know, yeah. that's good news. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, uh, not a lot stuck out to me. Uh, the, the UB, they have another UBR game. It's a world, depressing, extremely depressing looking World War One game. Valiant Hearts with the sad dog. And did you guys see? Yeah, that? I saw some trailers for that enough to think like maybe I would play that. <laughs> <laughs> they can bum me out with a dog if they want. I'm not I, immune. My, my comment on it was that it this looks like every Oscar nominated but didn't win depressing. <laughs> French animated <laughs> film that I never saw. Mm. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it's interesting anyway. I'm glad they're doing something with that that engine, and they're making some interesting looking 2D games with it. Um, but yeah, so I mean, uh, did any did anything from those four press conferences, Microsoft, EA, UB, or Sony, did those stick out to anything stick out to any of you guys? I guess we'll start with Todd on this one. Oh, yeah, a few things did. I mean, well, with Sony, I was, of course, waiting for them to, to say something about The Last Guardian or Gravity Rush 2, uh-huh. and they didn't. Yeah. So, um, but Microsoft actually showed that Ori and the Blind Forest thing, which has a monster that looks almost exactly like one of the Colossuses, Coloss- Col- Colossi from Shadow of the Colossus. So, aesthetically, that might fill the hole. 
and but even though it's a side scroller and I have no idea really what it's actually about and I was surprised too by the Phantom Dust revival yeah I was not <laughs> expecting that even though it, they may, tried their best to make it look like a generic pseudo anime versus battle fighter but that might turn out good because it's got the original cast behind it and I don't think they're going to mangle it as much as they did the Crimson Dragon because that just seemed like it got messed up by being a connect game and then not a connect game it and now that Microsoft isn't paying as much attention to the Connect, a new Phantom Dust might do better. And let's, oh yeah, my, they had uh, D Ford also, which looks like it might be trying a little too hard. I mean, there's a scene where he, the guy goes into his apartment and, and one of his female friends is there, and she has a rat in her mouth, and she spits it at him—a living rat, you know—and and it goes into his mouth, and you have to dodge it with the Connect or something like that. <laughs> so that's that's the kind of game it is. Um, let's see. And Sony, well, they didn't show Gravity Rush 2 or Last Guardian. I did think uh, Abzu looked kind of interesting, even though it's like not coming out till 2016 or something. That underwater adventure game. That, mm. Yeah, I made a Treasures of the Deep joke about that. And I'm like, <laughs> it did, like, no one responded. And I was like, wow. No. That's a, I guess that's a deep cut even for, even for Twitter. <laughs> it, it reminded me a little of, uh, you know, the abyss at the end, or you have that alien ruins and glowy things and so who knows maybe it's by the the journey's art director so at least it'll look good that was about it then i saw i was you know more awestruck by the stuff that they didn't really announce or the the vib ribbon tease which was just uh, bizarre i mean even if you don't like vib ribbon it's a strange thing to just bring up that killed me i was like what Vib ribbon and then yeah, it, nothing and it's like oh you're using this to pet fucking mortal Kombat. oh uh, it was like they canceled it at the last minute like the teleprompter <laughs> some had a you know, and, uh, vib ribbon on playstation network now and they just crossed it out at the last second and they had to and the whoever was speaking had to backpedal like you know oh i liked vib ribbon now here's um oh, here's master blaster in mortal Kombat. Yeah. focus testing on the audience tells us that no one in here cares about vib ribbon so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, that was a disappointment. It was neat to see it up there, I guess, but uh, Dave and I had uh, differing opinions on the best track from Viburban. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I spent a lot of time in college with that, like, CD in my car, yeah. or my mm-hmm. roommate's car, as it were. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that people were not happy that they said the words Viburban and then didn't oh. say, we're giving you Viburban. Dave, did you try that Entwine game that they, like, released during the press conference? No, I feel like I kind of have to because I really like when companies do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the end, you can buy it today. Like, I would have bought that Dead Rising DLC that's only notable because it had a Dino Crisis costume in it <laughs> if I had an Xbox One in Dead Rising. But that, I, I always get excited no, about it's that. It's Dino Crisis Regina, right? Not the, sp- right. Not the space Dino Crisis? No. Yeah, because my main problem with these things is like, hey, get excited for this thing that's not coming out for at least a year. Like, how many of the games they were talking about this year we were talking about on last year's E3 pre- press conference? Mm-hmm. Stuff like Yoshi uh, and Bayonetta and like even The Witcher 3, which like I'm super psyched about and The Witcher 2 was a great game. And there's no reason to think three won't be. Um, and like Hideki Kimiya wanders out on the stage for like two seconds at the point where I was like, well, I'm done with lunch, so I'm going to close this video window. Uh, and then I was like, well, I'll, I'll stick around for Hideki Kimiya. He doesn't sell me wrong. Uh, and then he's like, here's our thing that kind of looks like Monster Hunter with Beats by Dre. Um, <laughs> and I guess he's like maybe not even directing that. <laughs> so 
they yeah. just had him there because he was a familiar face. Well, he's not really done with Bayonetta 2 yet, is he? He's not doing that one. Uh, oh, he, or yeah, he's that's right. That's he's right. producing or that's, whatever. That's producing it. He's not the Which, director. You know, you never know how much that entails from game to game. Um, Who is directing that, though? Who? Ah, uh, what's his name? I don't remember. It's, um, no, no, no. It's 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 a new-ish guy. Um, okay. But uh, for that day one thing, like I don't I don't watch the EA ones or whatever. I sort of just if I'm a, if I'm around a computer, I'll leave it on in the background and sort of devote it uh, one eye to it. Um, I gave both eyes to Bloodborne because I'm like the biggest Dark Souls fan. And as much as I like Dark Souls 2, it was really fun and great. It wasn't as good as Dark Souls 1 or Demon's Souls. Mm. Uh, And this is what that guy has moved on to do. And there's no reason to think I won't like that either. Uh, So that was the thing that got me super psyched. But again, all this stuff is just like, here's a trailer. Mm. Maybe you'll get it at the end of 2015. Probably not. Here's a baby carriage. Here's a gun. Here's a zombie. Yeah, it's just like, and it, uh, half the time it's just not gameplay. Like at least the Witcher stuff actually looked like a game you could play. And I was like, oh, cool. They're doing the thing. They're they're showing the thing that's actually cool about the Witcher is that like the subquests aren't like pick up a bunch of rocks and like give me these rocks. It's like chase down a fucking griffin, <laughs> like fight it on a cliff. Uh, or like in Witcher 2 it was like go to an insane asylum and talk to all these ghosts of dead people who got burned to death so but yeah that was sort of my I skipped EA and Ubisoft entirely I let Twitter tell me whatever they think is important from these things and like I only follow like 70 people on Twitter 60 or 70 people and even then my feed was just like scrolling so quickly I couldn't keep up yeah yeah I don't know. I mean, I, I watch this stuff because uh, I can for work, and it counts mm. as work. So, <laughs> I uh, it, it, it's interesting to me, and it's it's fun to make jokes during them and stuff. And but but mostly it's it's just like, well, what what's the next year going to be like? And it's a pretty good. It gives you a pretty good idea what to expect. Um, and and yeah, like I, I was surprised at how little really stuck out really stuck out to me in terms of like, oh, I I really want to try that. I really want to play that. Um, I have to admit, I was I was really grossed out by that Rainbow Six trailer, where they're uh, the it's capture the flag except the flag is a woman. That was super disgusting, and I hope they make changes to that. Uh, they probably won't, but it was really gross. I I don't need like realistic terrified women. Uh, and you're like trading them off, like, oh, d- you lost the hostage, and then she's oh, screaming my, and yeah. crying, <laughs> and the other team is dragging her away, and you're like, this is horrible. This why is Tom we, Clancy. Yeah. Why, yeah. I mean, from from my perspective, um, even like divorce of whatever gender stuff there may be there, I just like every year everything gets higher and higher in fidelity. And like the murder becomes more <laughs> realistic, yeah, and yeah, I just right. want to do it less and less. Like I kind of wish we could have held off at like Half Life Two level or even below. Like I don't need to see bits of people's skulls when you shoot them, and I don't need to be like Super SWAT Team Man. Even though I know that like Rainbow Six has one of the, it's like a huge cult favorite for that kind of um, multiplayer like co-op shooting that actually requires thought but the aesthetic around it is just so uh unpalatable to me like i just can't take it 
And there's a dude named Ding in it. I don't know if he's still in it, but the main character's name is Ding. <laughs> Ding? D-I-N-G? Yeah, Ding Ding Chavez. <laughs> I think it's based on a real person. And not Dingo, you're sure? Still. He's not like the guy in Zone of the Enders too, but Yeah, Dingo. <laughs> okay. Now that's a name. <laughs> Dingo Egret. Yeah, no, there just there wasn't that much I was uh, on the first day that, that, that grabbed me. And, and I, I still haven't bought either of the new consoles. I think... Um, I think I'll just wait for my PS3 to die and replace it with a PS4 at some point. Mm. Um, but there isn't any, they didn't even announce anything for that that I was, you know, really stoked about. I, I could not care less about another Uncharted game. Like, everyone was yeah. clapping about that. And it's like, really? Like, you press forward. Well, 3 left me so cold that, yeah. like, yeah. Uh, it would take a lot to get me back. Yeah, you can. And you can like, so they announced guys. that the, the Vita TV is coming out in America, and yeah. now I'm left with a, a big choice where I finally got a Vita and started playing Persona Four Golden, mm-hmm. and now I have to like wait again and be like, do I wait until it comes out? But maybe I won't be able to play it on it because of the touchscreen stuff. But Persona I'll probably 4. buy one of those dumb things. Oh yeah, but you can move your save data over and everything, right? And Persona Four doesn't really use the touchscreen, does it? No, not for anything important. But I don't know if they'll like blacklisted just cause well, like, use the touchscreen at all I can't play Gravity Rush on the Vita TV so yeah. that's that's out for me <laughs> well I think it, isn't it just anything with touchscreen controls they've blacklisted isn't that yeah. Yeah. It's, but I think they started making the Vita TV fairly early on so a lot of Playstation games don't have essential touchscreen control so I think in Gravity Rush there's a part where you actually have to use the sliding move where you touch the screen on the corners, so you really couldn't get through the game if you couldn't touch the screen. Mm. That's my cat. Um, <laughs> hey, cat. Yeah, he's trying to be part of the conversation here. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that, that was kind of it for the first day. Um, nothing I, I was super excited about. Uh, <clears throat> I... <laughs> I will say I was I was a lot of people were saying like oh that looks like fun to uh, sunset overdrive and I will tell you the the attitude the, <laughs> the rude tudes in that game seems so irritating that I oh, don't gosh. I don't know if I can handle it like, yeah it's, it's like, like um, it's like an ad from a nineteen nineties game pro or something you know <laughs> yeah you may as well like the lead character may as well be their little review guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the guy in the little boxes. <laughs> uh, it it just it oh god snark squad yeah pretty much um, <clears throat> but yeah it, it it was just a lot of nothing but then you know so like last year around this time I was like oh man I'm not I don't care about anything Nintendo's doing I don't care and then this time their press conference was like well I'm gonna buy like half of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't know if you guys had the same experience, but um, I, there were at least six games in there that I'm totally going to get. Um, I, I, I'm, I, th- I think that Mario Maker thing looks like fun. Totally going to get Bayonetta. Uh, I will probably at least rent that Yoshi game and that Kirby game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about... I'm not a Smash Brothers guy, but, you know, if there's if enough friends are playing online, I'll probably get it. Um so plenty of stuff in there that I was like, oh, that looks like fun. Like, 
they even have me thinking about that stupid Zelda Dynasty Warriors thing. Hyrule Warriors, yeah. It's pretty neat how they're actually just adding characters to that that fans would really want. I'm hoping they go even more obscure and they add like Tingle and. Um, right, yeah. I don't know. Maybe the guy from that show, Taro Ishino Mori comic from Nintendo Power. I don't know. <laughs> but it looks fun. There's going to be a DLC character that's from the uh, the uh, CDI games. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be linked from the the old Zelda cartoon that they had back in the 1990s. But yeah, like it was weird because they came into this whole thing as, as totally the underdog. And uh, their press conference had more shit in it than I actually wanted to play. And I was mm. like, oh, that looks like fun. I will try that. Um, and that, that was at least my experience. It seemed like a lot of people felt that way, but I don't, I don't know about how, how did you guys feel about that? Well, I... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Todd. Well, I was really surprised by how excited I was over the Cap the Toad game, the Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Yeah, those were fun and, levels in uh, yeah, because it, I really like the approach they're making there. Where it's basically a vertical stage, almost like a wrecking crew level from the older... Nintendo game and it's puzzle driven. It seems like it's a B game, like you know the Luigi's Mansion kind of thing. But I'm, I hope it turns out to be good. And uh, that's something not something I say too often about a game where you can't even jump. And so you know, <laughs> I like jumping. And then you had a Xenoblade Chronicles X, which was this trailer was basically all about the story, which was kind of weird because the main character in this they're basically doing Mass Effect, where you you customize your character and then you recruit this whole you know party of other predefined characters which strikes me as kind of weird because even the even the character in xenoblade chronicles he was at least a distinct character and the other xeno games like xenosaga well in xenosaga the main character was an annoying college liberal scientist but at least that was kind of different in xenoblade in chronicles x it seems like they're just going the skyrim route where your character is something that you create and the responses are all pretty you know from a menu and it's kind of interesting to see uh, Japanese developers try that out in an RPG. But, you know, if I wanted that, I would be playing any of the other Western games that you can do that. So that was kind of a setback. But the game still looks, you know, batshit nuts. You get to drive, walk around in a robot. You get to transform into a jet. You get, you apparently get to go into these outer space um, laser spewing starship gunbuster battles or whatever. So I'm still looking forward to that. I mean... Uh, I'll definitely represent the Bayonetta contingent oh, yeah, on that this, is where, where that's like the first one was just about it's just about my favorite uh, character action game of all time. It's like neck and neck between that and Devil May Cry, um, and they're putting the whole first one on the disc with yeah. some like really crappy looking Nintendo costumes. <laughs> like I saw some screen caps of her in the Princess Peach outfit, and it looked pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, the Link one looked a little better. But yeah, aside from that, I'm with you, Zach. I I watched that one, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll buy a lot of these video games. I'm ready for a new epic yarn game. <laughs> uh, like maybe I'd even go with this Captain Toad route. Even though I like those levels, they were fun. But when you're playing with multiple people, it's like everybody else in the room sit and wait mm. while I do this level. But I guess that doesn't have the problem if that's what the game's about. That's not like, is that a downloadable thing or is it like a full game? Yeah, it's a retail release. It really seems kind of like Luigi's Mansion was. So you've got the. Sure. (laughs) I mean, is he going to make those toad sounds throughout? Yes. The the disconcerting toad sounds throughout the game. That's like the worst thing that's happened in the past decade. Yeah, maybe. yeah, if you can if you can turn off the like if you can turn that off, 
That would be great. Uh, I mean, like that that seems like a $20 game to me, but it'll probably be full price. It seems like they're just dumping stuff onto the Wii U, which is fine with me because that's the only next next gen. That's the only new console I've bought. So, give me more games for it. It's fine. You know, like I'll, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, but yeah, it, it that 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 definitely looks like fun. I would be shocked if there was no no two-player mode on that. That would be really weird. That would be great if it was. I, that sounds fun to me. Yeah. No, it, I'm just saying it would be super strange if there were no two-player. Like, here's just a bunch of single-player puzzle levels. The yeah, end. but yeah, all I, we saw, I think, was um, the trailer just showed single-player, so maybe they'll mess that up. Who knows? It seems like I'm it's gonna pretty far out. I'm going to sit back and see how that turns out, but I have hopes for it. If it, it just looks like the kind of game that's made for me when I was like 10 years old and playing Toad in every Super Mario Bros. 2 level. Yeah, I did think it was funny when they showed, like, here's the next Legend of Zelda, uh, or at least here's what we're trying to, like, you know, proof of concept, like, here's what we want it to look like. You see those mountains in the distance? You can just go there. Okay. <laughs> you mean Why? Like, you mean, like, every other <laughs> every other game with a big map, like, big open world since, for the last ten years, you can just, you can just go to those mountains. Like, that's not new. I mean, I think... (laughs) I understand Nintendo pretty much operates, like, seven or eight years in the past, but... (laughs) That game did look like fun. I like the way it looked. Uh, I'll totally get it. Um, But (laughs) if that's their, like, wow, Mm. open-world Zelda, it's like, they kind of already did that. Like, if if they're basically just copying the structure from Link Between Worlds, that would be fine, because I really like the way that game played. Um, where you could, you know, rent items and just go the, go to the dungeons in whatever order you wanted. That that was a good good way to mix it up. It it made it feel different. Um, it's not just like, well, instead in th- this time instead of going to the water temple third, you go to the water temple fifth. It's like, yeah, all right, but it's not really mixing things up, you know. So so long as it is actually a little bit different, that'll be that'll be fine. Um, I you know I have a hard time getting excited about a new Legend of Zelda anything, but I, if they put out a new big Zelda game for the Wii U, I'll totally buy it. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely there. Uh, I mean, I even I feel like I do this with most Dynasty Warriors games that come out, but I'm like willing to give Hyrule Warriors the benefit of the doubt until it disappoints me, which it almost assuredly will. <laughs> yeah, but at no least way. I'll be playing Link at the time. Yeah, there's no way that's not going to be like. You get three levels in, you're like, all right, <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, like, I'm going to play it and be like, all right, it's it's fun enough to hit the Y button and slash guys with swords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you're right, like, three levels in and be like, oh, but I'm still playing this game, aren't I? There's no escape now, I'm trapped. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the, other thing, the other thing that they announced that they were like, oh, this is going to be our big reveal was uh, Star Fox, which I don't care about Star Fox at all. Uh, oh, but we, you can ride a helicopter. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I never, I never really cared about Star Fox, and they haven't convinced me since. Yeah, it, it, nothing about that is exciting, but if it looks fun and neat, uh, if they, you know, when we get more footage of it or, or some trailers, or at this point, apparently, it's just like a proof of gameplay concept. Like, it's not even really a game there. Um, so I guess we'll see, but I don't know. Like there was more in that press conference that I was like, and it, maybe that's just me. Like, and I felt like, am I regressing? Am I going backwards? Am I am I like turning into like, oh, I'm just going to cling to things that I liked when I was nine? 
<laughs> you know, which, you know, it's, it's a nerd arrested development thing. It happens. But it's like the only things I cared about were at the Nintendo press conference, which has been the opposite of the truth in the past. Like, I don't know. I, I was conflicted over that thing. Now, they I, had that other thing, the, um, uh, what was it called? Devil's Third by, um, yeah, sure. Like yeah, that yeah, they didn't even show that during the general presentation, which kind of goes to show how much they value it, I guess. I think, I think it's because it looks terrible, but that's maybe, so weird. It's, maybe that's just me. <laughs> well, it's like if they want to become a home for wayward character action games, more power to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love the original Ninja Gaiden, that's like one of the best, but. Ninja Gaiden 2 was not and like what other games has he made that were really really good so I'm willing to give it a shot but I don't know I'm happy that I guess like that was that thing was sort of like caught right I mean people have been talking about that game forever I think THQ had it and then they you know they bottomed out so yeah just drifted around I mean it's nice they picked it up though yeah I I I really want them to put that Fatal Frame game out in America, and oh, I bet they won't, but, like, because they haven't want- put the last two, yeah. So, any, whatever third-party support they want, like, I'm, I'm pulling for you, Wii U. <laughs> Got a big old Dreamcast screen that I put in my lap, and I want that to work, but I can't, it doesn't, unless you give me video games, besides Mario, which I like, but that's one Mario does not make a home. Mm. Yeah, eh. well, I don't know, but yeah. So that, that's kind of that's kind of E three. Um, nothing else really stuck out. I mean, I'll I'll probably play for Far Cry. I liked the third one. It was dumb. Mm. Like, it was so really I, stupid. I don't know if you guys have a better understanding than me how this like multiplayer with only one copy works. It's like a StarCraft spawn copy. Kind no of thing. one knows how that works yet. <sighs> no one knows how that works. Like I mean. That's one of those things where I would imagine it's a big download on the on behalf of whoever wants to play with you in your Far Cry game without having purchased it. Yeah. Um, or they're use, like some people speculated that 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 they're using that PlayStation Now thing, which is mm-hmm. basically a streaming service. Um, mm. You know that that that's what people are talking about. I I don't know if that's really going to be the case or not, but. Uh, who knows? Who knows how that's going to work? To me, that that's it's pretty ballsy to be like, yeah. okay, well, you can totally play with four or five of your friends, and none of them have to buy it. Uh, okay, <laughs> uh, can they see the whole campaign without buying the game? All right. I guess for me, it remains to be seen whether my my love of co op overrides my like mild distaste for elephant murder. Well, <laughs> but the elephant looked pretty. Pretty indestructible. Like the elephant, he can fight back. That elephant did take a gigantic explosion right to the face. And was <laughs> that elephant is like any real elephant, and he was fine. So, <laughs> you know, the animals in Far Cry Three fucked you up constantly. So, mm, so long yeah, as they're I, the ones doing the fucking up, I'm okay with it. I remember those Komodo dragons <laughs> scuttling out of the grass. Yeah, he just run. <laughs> I mean, at least running. it seems like this time with Far Cry, they're like. Okay, guys, we know we're not smart, and we're not even going to try. Uh, so like that, that makes the their like distasteful imagery at least more palatable. 
Yeah, the third one was so dumb, though. Like, they were never like, this is serious, guys. No, they were. I mean, that's the thing, is that the dude who wrote that, who also wrote Child of Light, which is weird, was like, uh, this is my grand satire on why open world games are dumb. And it's like, really? Because it's identical to why open world games are dumb. So, good satire. I, <laughs> it, it all felt so stupid to me that I I just... No, yeah, no he's like, point. nobody got it, man. There's all these interviews with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting to know. I, <laughs> this is my grand satire. Yeah. Well, wait. Was were we supposed to be taking this seriously? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't think so. Um, <clears throat> anyway. Uh, so, well, I think that's uh, that about wraps up uh, the E3 stuff. We should get to our uh, Twitter questions here, and there are uh, plenty of them. Uh, first up, Phantom Roxas asks. In light of Disney Infinity and Skylanders, what are your expectations and or hopes for Amiibo, which is the Nintendo version of Skylanders, where you buy little figures and put them on your gamepad and it uploads data to and from the game? Um, I uh, I don't know. My attitude towards that is like the odds that they're going to stay away from the business model where you have to buy the little action figure to get the character... That, yeah, that's not going to last. That's not going to last more than two minutes. They're going to be like, "No, we're not doing it that way." And then, well, we're think. Well, okay, we're doing it that way. Like, <laughs> th- how are they going to stay away from that? There's so much money to be made, right? And uh, I'm kind of hoping it becomes the huge thing in the holiday season, like the Nintendo 64 was back in 1986. You know, you have kids um, clamoring for the Mario and. Yoshi thing, so that would be kind of amusing. And I kind of went from just not really caring about the amiibo, and then I, you know, I saw the little figures, and I kept thinking, well, what if they make like the last story amiibos? Would I buy? Would I buy those? Who knows? I might. I think you would, Todd. Yeah, it's. I mean, like, if that's the business model, um, I'm less interested in. Like, my my fear is that. I guess it's not really a fear. It, it's more like, well, I'll be, I'll be skeptical if it's like, hey, Mario Kart Nine. Um, well, if you wanted to race as Donkey Kong, you get to pay sixty dollars for the game and then twelve ninety nine for Donkey Kong because you got to put the Donkey Kong figure on the pad before you can mm-hmm. use Donkey Kong. And th- th- again, there's no way they're going to stay away from that business model for long. Um, and if it becomes really lucrative for them, everything's going to use it because they use the same proprietary characters and everything. So conceivably, you could be like, it could be like, oh, you're going to buy Yoshi's Woolly World, and uh, hey, uh, you know, if, if you want to see this particular type of enemy in the game, buy the figure. Like that's the way Skylanders is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, you know, I understand. Like it's a really great way to make money. And a lot of people are making a lot of money doing it, but eventually, like, it, it will put me off of those games because I'm not going to sit here with big bags full of action figures that I need to play hmm. video games with. I just, I don't want to spend that kind of money. <laughs> I um, wish it was Amingo from Marvel vs. Capcom. Oh, Cactus Man, yes. <laughs> but uh, I feel, yeah, I feel the same way about this that I do about, like, I gotta assume that Phantom Dust game is gonna have microtransactions in it. It just like seems unimaginable that they're gonna re-release a collectible card game and not turn into. I I should give Joel props. He he couldn't make it, but in absentia, should mention he's probably the person on the planet most psyched for Phantom Dust. 
But, yeah, uh, sure. But but here's the thing, though. Like, if you want to, if there's if there's stuff in Phantom Dust that you want, you can just buy it. Yeah. Like this figure shit, you have to go to the store. Yeah, you also just don't want that junk around. Well, like but, I don't but, even but want DVDs of games around. But but here's the thing though, like it, it's not just like you go to the store. If there's a chase figure or it's difficult to get or there's a run on them and people are buying them up for their kids because it's close to Christmas, you can't have the the, the character yeah, you want. Yeah. So like right now, if you have kids and they have Disney Infinity and they want the Frozen characters. Guess what? They're fucking sold out. You have to go to mm. eBay and pay three oh, times man. what they're worth. Yeah. So, like, say, like, they put out Smash Brothers 15, and, oh, well, Link's really popular. Good luck finding him in a store. Well, I go on Amazon. It's only available for $75 from retailers. Or I can go on eBay. Like, this is the shit. This is what happens. It turns into a figure economy. It totally changes. Totally changes everything. Uh, and that's totally what happens with Skylanders, and is what happens, what has happened with Disney Infinity, and it's only going to get worse. Like they love doing that shit, like to the point where, like, you know, go to Toy Fair, you can get exclusive versions of characters. Uh, it, and it's highly lucrative. Like Activision quietly pulls in billions of dollars from Skylanders. Mm. Yeah, Over I'm just show. never going to do that. I I didn't even know that this was like a mar- like a Beanie Babies style market. Totally. Uh, if I can order a Kirby figure on Amazon, sure, maybe I'll just have the one, but like yeah, I'm not going to wake up at 4 in the morning and yeah. go to Toys R Us. Uh, yeah, right, you regress. <laughs> Again, you regress. <laughs> yeah, it's like I-, I wanted to say I'm an adult, but like eh, Are who you? am I fooling? <laughs> <laughs> are any of us no. um, alright yeah that, that whole economy like I, and the people who were like oh no the, the the Smash Brothers guys they're just uh, they're just like CPU characters you're just leveling up assist characters and it's you don't have to buy the character to get into the game I'm like guys do you know anything about the economy behind this like this is a business model that they're just not fully rolling out yet it's totally gonna go there like maybe it won't and that would be great but I, don't, I feel like the people defending the Amiibo thing as a totally benign thing that you don't have to do don't know anything about how lucrative the action figure to the, the toys to life business model is, which is what it's called. Well, you should save all their tweets so you can show them to them and, you know, by next Christmas and then, yeah. <laughs> you know, like all the Republicans talking about Bergdahl. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, uh, I have better things to do than that. I'm just saying... <laughs> I'm just saying, you don't have to mock my... Uh, this is how Nintendo's going to bring us down, man. Yep. They don't give us the Skylander figures, and then they do. <laughs> Except they also must get a cut on some sort of Skylander stuff, because they have like a Wii bundle for it. Yeah, that's all uh, That's all licensing deal. Like, I think that Skylander's Wii U bundle is like the most discounted one. Like That's the one you can get for like 150 bucks or something like that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. If I didn't have a Wii U, I'd try some Skylanders. Yeah. Oh, really? I'm waiting for them to put that um, Mario 3D World in as a pack-in before I buy a Wii U, because, you know, that seems like the seller for it. That's the one worth buying. Yeah. That, game underperfor- but, that game underperformed, like, pretty uh, Oh, pretty, really? That's so strong, sad. Yeah. Oh, man. I felt bad for not buying one. I mean, that's the only Mario game I've liked in years. I don't like any of the 3D ones, so that this one was, like, only a little 3D was great for me. I loved it. Now, do Microsoft or Sony have any stake in... They don't have any stake in Disney Infinity or Skylanders, do they? 
Uh, well, Sony's got a timed exclusives on Disney Infinity. Right. Uh, so basically, they already have theirs, or do you think they do something entirely different if this Amiibo thing really takes off? Well, yeah. Okay, but Nintendo. <laughs> Nathan okay. Drake figure. <laughs> right. Well, right. Like so. Like that. That would be like like Sony already tried that. They tried their own version. Of, they don't have the character catalog that Nintendo yeah. has. Nintendo's working with a Disney level of right. beloved characters. Sony doesn't have that. Remember Sony All Star Battle, whatever the fuck. Oh that shit yes, was? where the. They're like, oh, look at our great library of characters. Here's the guy from Siphon Filter fighting. It's Polygon Man. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. You mean Logan? Yeah. Logan. Oh, sorry. Yeah, right. No one Ape cares Logan? about what? He oh just God. hits him with a taser and then holds the trigger down until they light on fire. Yeah, they could have like, made that so insane, but you know, they didn't have anybody from Toshin Den. It was terrible. Yeah, right. And so, like, and then what does Microsoft do? Like, well, we got Blinks, the Time Sweeper, Voodoo Vince, and Master Chief. Well, they could do little um, Halo things like Warhammer figures or whatever, yeah, and that are, might have they, some. But are, I don't know. Yeah, they, they sold all those rights already. Like that, those those figure rights have already been sold off. So yeah. it, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense for Sony or Microsoft to do this. It totally makes sense for Nintendo to do it because they mm-hmm. control all these characters that you know generations of children and adults love. Anyway, moving on. Um, <clears throat> Land of Excusion asks: Should I be more excited about the Phantom Dust remake? Or is owning the original version with the DLC enough? Well, now, um, Joel, you, um, Joel would probably know this. If yeah, I don't. I watched him with, play that game a couple with, times. I don't know anything about it. Now, I was getting confused with Phantom Crash. Oh yeah, wow! You remember Phantom Crash? But the original. I watched version, him play you, that game too. <laughs> there's no way you can still play the original online, can you? I mean, there isn't no. some. It's not like Fancy Star Online where they set up their own servers or anything. So, yeah, that's one good reason to look forward to the remake. Maybe they'll do a Bayonetta and put the original in with the new Phantom Dust. So Maybe it's like Halo. They'll, like, uh, you can push select and toggle back and forth. <laughs> All right. But, yeah, so you should be excited if you like the original Phantom Dust. Okay. Uh, uh, Zinky asks, if you could drop any piece of video game hardware... From the top of a ten-story building, which would you choose? Original Game Boy, because it, would live. <laughs> it might. You know, you, they have that Desert Storm Game Boy at the Nintendo store that looks that was basically caught in a bomb explosion, and it still works. It still plays Tetris. So, uh, I would like to see how one would fare after you dropped off a building. I mean, I've dropped like Game Boys down a set of stone steps and been like, "That's eh, fine." <laughs> Just picked it up and put it back in my pocket. Those things will live through anything. Uh, I don't know why we got to be so mean to hardware. Don't you? Is it the natural thing just to be like 3DO, Jaguar, <laughs> something like that? An N-Gage, perhaps. Well, you, yeah. you could recreate that old Sega commercial where they were trying to promote Knights and they threw a PlayStation off the building and they were like, oh, your PlayStation can't fly like Knights can. And <laughs> Snap. It <was> pathetic. <laughs> it can perform at market, though, unlike <laughs> the Sega Saturn. Oh, goodness. I love you, I love you Saturn. I wish Bad you didn't die. Yeah. I love Die Hard Arcade. <laughs> I don't know why Sega's marketing was so awful in the 90s. Oh, it was Fuck very... everyone else. Sega, fuck you, Sega. Yeah. Like, it was all very confrontational. Yeah. <laughs> when they could back it up, it kind of worked, though. But then during, like, the late half of the 90s, they had people skeet shooting the Nintendo 64, and... Yeah. All right. Uh, not sure what this question means, but maybe you guys can answer it. Vidit1990 asks, 
Does Phoenix Wright getting a graphical facelift mean they're making money off of a visual novel series again at Capcom? Well, maybe he's talking about the Portopia murder investigations, widely regarded as one of the first <laughs> visual novels put out by Capcom for the Nintendo. Uh, Maybe he means in America because there was so much question of whether Phoenix Wright 5 was even coming out here. Yeah, but they can't really be making too much money if they're not releasing the compilation as more than a digital title. So, yeah, yeah, and they're relying on Nintendo to release Layton versus Phoenix Wright, which has a release date now, so I'm kind of relieved about that. So I don't think Capcom's really doing too well. But, you know, if um, for visual novels in general, going back to Danganronpa, if that can come out here so quickly there's definitely potential there yeah i mean i hope so i really like phoenix right maybe it's my my dream of getting miles edwards investigations too yes. well there's a fan translation for that now and it's oh really well then it seems like they didn't do, seems like they did an okay job on it too cool uh yeah then i don't need you capcom get out of my face uh, <laughs> but the first miles edwards investigations is like one of my favorite phoenix rights so that it, the second never came out here, I was like, oh, I guess it, this is another case of the things I like nobody else does. Um, I, so the, the, it's coming out here. It's download only. Yeah, the, the collection of the first three games. Cool. With and it's up-resed or something? Something like that, yeah. It looks a little bit better, I guess. But, you know, it's so, Phoenix, right? So it's kind of Yeah, I mean, it's only going to look as good as it. That's so weird because those are all, like, Game Boy Advance games that they already re-put out on the DS. Yeah. They were, like, ahead of the curve for re-releases with very little added content. Well, maybe they'll do a two-set of the Miles Jesworth investigations and then they'll translate the second one. Yeah, now a whole new generation can experience the disappointment of like doing that awesome case at the end of the first Phoenix Wright with all the touchscreen stuff, and mm-hmm. then going to Phoenix Wright Two and being like, "Oh, this is yes. just this is just the same game. There's nothing new about this at all." Back to the Game Boy Advance, you know. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see here. XB Saint asks, "Is there any chance Sony won't mess up their handling of the PlayStation TV, or will it wind up as dead as the Vita?" Oh, loaded question. Whoa, zinger. <laughs> uh, uh, um, is the Vita really doing that? Be- and well, I mean, it had yeah, actually yeah, more it games <laughs> on the floor than they actually Sony showed. Like they had that Freedom Wars thing that looks kind of neat. And you know, I've come to, I've, I, you know, even if the Vita craps out, I've made my piece. I bought it for Gravity Rush too. I, well, I bought it for Gravity Rush. I kept it for Gravity Rush, and I'm keeping it for Gravity Rush and Gravity Rush too. So if I never get anything else, I'll, you know, it's a Vita. So that's not really his question, though. So uh, let's see. I mean, what, uh, how do you mess know. that up? Like, it seems like something. It's ninety nine dollars. It's totally an afterthought. It's like, well, here you go. If you want it, here you go. Like, it, it doesn't seem like that's going to be a boondoggle for them, no matter what they do. Um, seems kind of weird. That one thing. Ha- well, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. It was, it, you know, at the most, it's like the Game Boy camera. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, I I don't see that impacting their bottom line very much either way. I'm sure they have a ton of them sitting around in storage somewhere. They just have to add, you know, English to it. <laughs> yeah, just give it a firmware update. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't perceive companies as actually sending things out to die. Like that doesn't seem like a really sound business model. No, yeah. but I hope it works because uh, not having an HDMI out on that thing is really frustrating. Because mm-hmm. like. Persona is an 80-hour RPG. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Although, I, I have to admit, if I didn't have a Vita, I'd probably go for the system over the TV thing, even if it were cheaper, just because yeah. I like having a handheld there. It feels more like a toy, I guess. So, so yeah, yeah I, I'm I, in No, no, I agree. In my old age, like, some of my best experiences of this generation have been on the 3DS, like Fire Emblem and games like that. Two Etrian Odyssey games that were both fantastic. Things right. And, and then on the Vita, too, like Danganronpa, which is a port, but we never got it, so whatever. Uh, like Persona 4, uh, Dragon's Crown, which you can play on PS3, but yeah, it's there. Uh, there's, I, I guess you can't say there's a lot of good games. I think there's sufficient good games. <laughs> and there is something different about a handheld and like sitting in bed and having that thing in your lap. Like it's a different experience, and I live in uh, New York City, so like I'm on the train, and mm. I maybe have more access to, or I have more reason to use a portable system than than some people, but I don't really make the distinction. How often do you see people playing Vitas on the train? Because I remember never. I, would see, I don't think I ever have. I, I would see more people playing PSPs on yes. the train than yeah, PSPs, PSPs are but the Vita does not really have. I haven't seen anybody playing it on the subway or the train. I don't think I, I – well, first off, I've never played a, a Vita on the train, so I'm part <laughs> of the statistic. But, uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen anyone. I see plenty of 3DSs and tons of PSPs, which people oh, just use video players. Yeah, I see 3DSs all the time. Uh, like <laughs> my wife is getting street passes in uh, Animal Crossing from like the guy sitting across to her with an Animal Crossing 3DS. <laughs> <laughs> Now, one weird thing for the Vita is that um, Final Fantasy Type-0, it seemed like for a couple, about, about an hour they announced it for the Vita in North America, but now it's only for the PlayStation, was it PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One? I don't, I mean, I don't know anything about that game. I saw uh, yeah. people getting super psyched that it was uh, coming yeah. out, and I was like, what is, is that the, the fighting game? No, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like a, almost a, um, I guess you would call it a PlayStation, early PlayStation 2 game kind of Final Fantasy. It has that same kind of tone to it. Mm. And so it's for, you know, people who hated Final Fantasy 13 want to go back to that sort of thing. Sure. It's got some neat ideas, though, because it's this massive cast of characters, and they're all kind of can be swapped in and out. And it's got more of an action interface than Final Fantasy 13. But it was kind of something for the PSP, and then it was could have been a big thing on the Vita, but it's just now it's going to a console. Yeah, I That was know. one of the weirder announcements of the of E3, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I guess they're expecting that there's going to be more PS4s and Xbox Ones out there eventually yeah. than there will ever be Vita, and maybe that's informing their decision. I don't know. Uh, I, I've thought about buying a Vita and then thought, nope, not going to use it for anything. So, I don't know. Yeah, for me, it was just like a. eventually my impulse overcame my common sense and I bought one. Yeah, that and happens. Then, and and our way I waited it out. I was like, you know what? This will blow over. I, <laughs> you know, it's like oh, I could go to the store right now and buy one. It's like, nope, 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 nope. Stop, 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 stop. So yeah. Was, yeah. I mean, it took me a year. And now if you're like a PS Plus member, they oh, they yeah. give you a lot of free stuff, including stuff like Gravity Rush. So it doesn't exactly pay for itself, but there are incentives. <laughs> I feel like Todd Todd's face should just be on the cover of that game at this point. Yeah. <laughs> given given two thumbs up. Yeah. Big grin. Just just like there's like a little circle and he's like yeah. got his hands on the side of the circle and like coming out of it in the like the corner. Well yeah, but it's a gravity rush. So I'd be upside down, you know, giving yeah, yeah, right. standing on the ceiling. Giving a thumbs up. Oh, um wow. all right. 
Eustace Bag says, uh, with all the mentions of Vibribbon at Sony's press conference, how excited are you for Bloodborne? <laughs> okay. <laughs> was that what it was back to back? I don't know. No, Bloodborne was, was oh. first, and then they, yeah, Mortal Kombat was that. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Mortal Kombat, I was kind of surprised, though, that they had the Bee Woman, you know, from Darkstalkers or whatever, and then it was, you know, the guy who runs Barter Town. Little little guy on top of the big guy. That at least is kind of for Mortal Kombat, kind of creative. So I just I can't I can't with the Mortal Kombat anymore. I can't do it. Yeah, I really never could. (laughs) It's so gross. Like I played through Injustice just to laugh at it, and by the end I was so exhausted with it that I think like even thinking about Mortal Kombat at this point, no, like no, I've had enough gross gross shit from that developer that I just don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's out of my life. <laughs> but, um, well, I'm a little more interested in Bloodborne um, than maybe, I guess, kind of uh, than I was in Dark Souls just because the setting looks a little different. Like they've, well, there's more stuff to decay and be, lie in ruin and I guess find and pick up. They said blunderbuss. They yes. had me at that. <laughs> um it, it did seem like there was this weird sort of like cult thing at each press conference where Sony was like, hey, Vibribbon, and Nintendo was like, hey, you like Mother 3? Oh, Fuck yeah, you. And then Xbox was like, Phantom Dust, we're actually putting this out. Uh, so <laughs> the Phantom Dust people are the only people who really made out on that deal. Everybody else just got their nostalgia. You know what? At this rate, Microsoft is going to be announcing a you know a running what was it Running Wild or Azuric or something? Oh God, no! Gun Valkyrie, no. maybe I don't know. I'll take another Gun Valkyrie. Okay, no, let's let's good. follow this track to its logical conclusion. <laughs> I'll take a I'll take an Azuric for Gun Valkyrie. Fair, fair trade for like a six out of ten game and a two out of ten game, and you can decide which is which. Miyazaki is now the king of uh, From Software, so maybe an Otogi is in our future. Mm-hmm. Just like, just give it to us. Otogi 3, make it happen. Okay. Uh, Akudraga asks, were there games where, while watching, you thought, I feel like I should be excited for this, but I'm not? Um, yeah, I, I gotta say, like, that, uh, what was it called? Ori? Ori and, and, and yeah. the Blind Forest, the, the Miyazaki-ish Shadow of the Glasses. Yeah, right. Was, well, you know what that looked like to me? It looked like a... Com- it's like, here's some Miyazaki rip-off stuff, and then also Dust and Elysian Tale, and then right. the lead character just looks like a little Pokemon guy. Uh, <laughs> like, it, it just... like the, the, the graphic design on it is really derivative. I have to admit and, that. And everyone's like, oh, it's so beautiful. And it's like, if you just make anything that looks like like children's book graphics everyone mm-hmm. talks about how beautiful it is and it, it, it doesn't matter if it's totally derivative and looks like everything you've ever seen or not like uh, that game made I was like you know what I think 10 years ago I would have been like oh wow now it's like no God, please do something else yeah like, I, I would have forgotten about it by now if Sony had actually showed The Last Guardian but so um, <laughs> so Ori's probably getting some runoff from that Maybe I don't know. I feel like everyone should have stopped caring about the Last Guardian a long time ago. Yeah, just let it go, <laughs> and if it happens, you'll be happier. Yeah, just forget about it. Treat it like it's a new game. That, Imagine uh, what a fucking mess that game is going to be if it ever actually comes out. Yeah, uh, like that. Gosh, that that uh, is like the, that is like. Oh, we've been trying to make this movie for ten years. <laughs> it's been through seven different directors. 
half the creative staff has been fired and rehired. We never really finished it, and now we've given it to another team. Oh my god! It's, like, it's, it's the thief and the cobbler of video games. It's no, no. Here's what it is: it's Duke Nukem Forever. Oh no one wants oh, to take admit, that back. No one wants to admit that the Last Guardian is Duke Nukem Forever, but it totally is. So I'm sorry to crush your dreams, but it's going to be Duke Nukem Forever. Oh, I'm going to have to run off and cry into a big tub of ice cream. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the farther away like a game gets like that, the less you. I just don't treat it as something real in my mind. And then you're like happy when they're like, oh, actually, we have a release date. Yeah, and then it comes out and everyone's like, oh, no. Well, no. I guess at this point you just want to know. <laughs> yeah, Sure, you just want to know for sure, right? You know, they're... Um there was one um, that game Cuphead, the one that looks like an old um, Fleischer Brothers cartoon. Yeah, yeah everybody went crazy about that. Yeah, it looks great. Although I didn't know, I said to my if, about playing it though. So it was kind of one of those things where it's just how it looks. So it wasn't when I actually sat back and thought about it. I guess I wasn't as excited as I initially was when I was like, "Oh my god, it's the um, it's Uber Works." I used to say his name, Uber Works, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's his style totally. Um, it looks it looks neat. Uh, it'll be cool if it's more than just a neat looking game. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Cutest game. Wayno one asks. Cutest game. Yoshi's Woolly World. Captain Toad or uh, something else. Well, I'm going to go down down in flames saying Captain Toad. I don't. I don't <laughs> people may not like his voice, but you know, to- you respect the work. Yes. Yeah. I'm very excited <laughs> for Captain Toad. I, I didn't. Well, know. But yeah, Captain Toad. Is it Bayonetta 2? Is it the haircut? <laughs> How it's 40. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. Yoshi or Kirby's Epic Yarn was super cute. So there's no reason there to believe Kirby, that though. Yoshi's won't be. Oh, yeah, they're making a new canvas uh, curse. Rainbow curse, yeah. No, or wait, that's so that right? around. Oh, yeah, yeah and then that part in the trailer where he like morphs into a tank and. No, and use oh, yeah. That look that looks fun. Kirby yarn tank is one of the cutest things ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kirby's epic yarn, so they've got a high bar to clear. Well, that's Nintendo's entire mo is just cute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Olive Munch asks, Scalebound being an Xbox One exclusive, you think Nintendo has any chance of gaining a strong? third-party development base for the Wii U after losing one of their best third-party developers. Uh, well, I don't think they lost Platinum yeah, as a developer. Yeah. I mean, they've always been, like, uh, freelancers. Well, it, not only that, but, like, you buy a Nintendo console to play Nintendo games. Like, you don't... Like, expecting them to suddenly become a powerhouse for third-party shit. Mm. They seem really sensitive about Bandai 2 still being an exclusive. Like, they, they really want Platinum to just, you know, go back to the other systems, so I don't know. I could see them doing another game for Nintendo. Well, I mean, so the thing about Bayonetta 2 is that it can never be not a Wii U game, right? Because, like, Nintendo is producing it. It's not that exactly. it's not just that it's an exclusive, like, Nintendo is putting money into it. Yeah. Um, into the development, not just, like, sort of like a timed exclusive cash bribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made Wonderful 101, how quickly we forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not impossible that there's going to be something after Bayonetta 2. Um, a system that has two Platinum games on it, I feel like, is is pretty good. <laughs> like, kind of regardless. So if that's all you get, 
that's two really great games that are just sort of like exemplar exemplars of their form. <laughs> so it's like it, uh, yeah. it does kind of amuse me to see the people you know who want Platinum to break away, and maybe next E three they'll announce uh, Vanquish two for the Wii U. I would play it <laughs> like sure. Put a big button on the Wii U pad that just says "Smoke cigarette." <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, well, I think that wraps us up, guys. Um, oh, cool. Thank you uh, so much for, for stopping by and, and going through all this, uh, you know, un- unpacking all this all this material. Um, I think we know that Todd is very much looking forward to you, Captain Toad. <laughs> and, Captain uh, Todd, yeah, there we go. <laughs> and and uh, other than that, um, yeah, well, it's always it's always a pleasure. So look, looking forward to having you guys on again in the fall. And uh, thanks a lot. Okay, yeah, great to be here, Zach. Thanks. Yeah, I had fun. Okay, that's our show. Big thanks to Todd and Dave for stopping by. The theme song is Bucharest by the band The New Division. You can check them out at newdivisionmusic.com. Don't forget, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a rating or review. We'd really appreciate it, and we'll see you on the next one.